Blog Talk Radio. Lovers, Steve, so far, has been so hard. There's a few dudes to 
Saul. Don't be thrown off any Zolar. Avoid them at all costs, like raccoons or skunks. But back to the regular scheduled program. The program is sponsored by Seven Heaven. What else in hell can you get an open line to heaven at 11-11? Emerge at the other end of those meditation portals and elevated walk tools. Even some abort tools. Any questions, comments, or concerns, press one. For everyone else, thanks for attending another session. I'm pleased to teach, but it's an honor to learn. Certainly, courtesy of KTL University. Oh, please don't be frightened. I'm terribly sorry about this. You are! Peace to you and yours. Peace to you and yours. This is Nova Ledge Radio, and you are now rocking with the best. Yes, indeed. This is your host. All right. It's Brother Blue Pill. Very soon to be joined by my co-host, Brother Red. All right. Peace, family. Get comfortable. Settle in. Welcome back to another monumental episode. This is the inaugural episode of our fourth season, okay? Our extraordinary, critically acclaimed, award-winning, award-winning third season has come to an end. Last Friday's show, no better way to end it than with the big homie himself, Lord Cassius, okay? So with no further ado, go to the phone lines and bring in my co-host, call her from 347 Peace. Peace, peace. Peace to the uh, audience. Peace to everybody. Welcome to Northern Less Radio. This is your co-host, the brother Red Pill. Peace. Absolutely. Yes, indeed. Welcome to this uh, wonderful, wonderful episode of the... uh, Celebration of the anniversary of the fourth cycle. We made it. Yes, we did. Yes, Yes, sir. Yes, we did. We made it to the fourth cycle. Who would have thought? (laughs) I know. I mean, it's something that seems like uh, when I try to look back to the first episode in my mind's eye, seems like an eternity, you know what I mean? It was so far down the rabbit hole, you know, but... um, Can you remember it? Can you see it? I'm still able to pull a, a few glimpses of that day. Yes, sir. That that was a very special episode. Uh, we were joined by Ros Mariah Bay. We were joined by, I believe, the brother Saber called in. Yeah, and um, do, you, do you remember who else was... On the phone with us that night? Uh, I thought it was Taj, but. It might have been Taj. Yeah, it may have been Taj as well with uh, Sister Roz, but I do know that Phil Valentine also uh, called in towards the end of the show, and that was monumental. Okay, yeah, that was, that was, that was kind of monumental as well. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I also remember where I was at and what I was doing, the environment, more so than the show. You know what I'm saying? The content of the show. I'm definitely, you know, going to make a note to go back and listen to it after we get past this show. Just so, you know what I'm saying, we could properly circle the block. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That way you can see how far, you know, we've come just in terms of information, the format, the energy, the vibration, the frequency, everything is uh, measured against that first show. So shout out to everybody that made that a possibility. Shout out to the family, to the KTL family to the familiar. Some of y'all have not missed one episode. That's monumental right there. You know what I mean? That um that means a lot to us. You know what I'm saying? For the family that's been riding with us, even if you didn't make it to every show, I know that is in itself a large uh that's a monumental task in itself. But even if you rode with us on one show, it doesn't matter. As long as you were in the building to receive the uh, the information that was being disseminated, you know what I mean? Because ultimately, it's for the family. It's for everybody that's willing to um, sit at the table and, um, you know, and partake in this meal right here. So big ups to y'all because I definitely made this possible. You know, and we couldn't thank the family without thanking the lecturers the master teachers, the young masters, you know what I mean, the, uh, you name it, the scientists, the decoders, the metaphysicians, the Morris scientists, the Morris historians, the martial artists, the graphic artists, all of these uh, professionals who have carved out specific lanes for themselves, right, in this thing called consciousness. And, um, you know, for the brothers and sisters who took time out of their schedule and for the brothers and sisters who accepted our invitation to join us on Know the Ledge throughout the cycles, throughout the many cycles, I just want to say big ups to y'all because, you know. Say that again? I said you was breaking up a little. Oh, can you hear me clearly now? Absolutely, yes, I can. Let me know if you hear me loud. I've been listening to some of these past episodes, and my volume is kind of low. You know, I'm still on the 2G, and uh, if I don't speak directly into this microphone, it's uh, coming out somewhat kind of low. So just let me know what the variance is. I guess the chat room can let me know as well. And I will, uh, you know, do my best to project properly. I okay. want to make a note about... I get you a headset. I get a headset. Uh, wow, this is incredible. You know, as we bend the corner and, you know, we pull up to the block for our very first time for our inaugural episode, fourth season, you know what I'm saying? The, the, the reporters is out there. They got the flashlights, you know what I'm saying? The inaugural season is in lights on the, on the, um, on the marquee, you feel me? People is lined up. They they falling into the venues. It's a beautiful, beautiful look. And then um, I get a call from my manager because we're about to take stage and, and make this announcement. You know what I'm saying? He's like, look, before you go on stage, you know, it's like the platinum party. 
You know what I'm saying? He's like, look, one of your singles went triple platinum. You're like, what? He's like, yeah, one of your singles went triple platinum. We're going to try to get the plaque out. You know what I'm saying? But by the time you get on stage, we want to present you with the plaque. So I'm saying all that to say, in the KTL Mindscape, if there was an equivalent to that on this program, what we would be talking about would be Tango Decoded. Okay? Yes. Indeed. Give me one second. I gotta take this call real quick. All right. Second, y'all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What the brother saying is, our brother KT the arch degree, and that historic, monumental episode that the brother officially launched the new fiscal year of 2013 off. Uh, last week, uh, that episode has entered already into the record books. It's already 2013, fresh out the gate, and already we're talking about an episode with 10-plus thousand downloads, okay? And that was the count yesterday. I don't even know where we're at with it today, but um, the brother KT, the arts degree, it's definitely burning up the airways. We got to give you your salute, brother. Hold on. Continue the good work, KT. Continue doing what you do, brother, because you definitely have an audience. Uh, uh, a humongous audience that's paying attention and they riding with you, all right? So, well, I want to do this because I have actually the brother on the line and we can't do this show properly without having our third pillar in the, bu- in the building. It would make no sense, okay? So, caller from the 404-492. Peace. Peace, peace, peace. Okay. So I know happy you anniversary, heard. brothers! Happy anniversary, brothers! I gotta, I gotta say before before I dive into mine, I gotta, I gotta give credit where credit is due. If y'all brothers weren't doing your work, there wouldn't even be a platform for me to get down. Well, we gotta say thank you. Thank you. That, you know. Now I want to present you with your plaque, brother, because. We've officially ripped the cycle. It's seven days since you were here doing your monumental return to KTL, the flagship decoding series which you have started, you know, the one that was made and tailor-made just for you fell in your lap. Django Decoded is now at 18,000 on the download, B. Whoa. (laughs) Wow. Yesterday. That's what I'm talking about, brother. The other day when I posted it, you know what I'm saying, it's at 18,000. Mm, dub- doubled in, 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 what, two days? Days. That's, that's crazy. That's so crazy. You, you yourself are a monumental testament as to why it is that we do what we do and why it's being done effectively. Um, it's a platform that's created for those that are, you know, have a voice and 
society has deemed at some point to be voiceless because they have, you know, taken the means in which to try to lock out those whose voices they haven't, um, you know, co-signed or said, all right, put that through the screen and that's okay. You got to take this out and you got to put that in. That's too long. That's too much. You feel me? This is unfiltered. This is uncut. It's raw, but it's truth and it resonates. Okay? And since the veil has been lifted, it's resonating even louder and the people are connecting to it. So we definitely want to give you a salute. Man, I, I want to salute the people for uh, for tuning in and checking it out and, and caring at all to see, you know, if there's, you know, something underneath, you know, the veil. Um, I'm definitely announcing tonight that I'm going to uh, have the visual video, you know, with, you know, there was a lot I didn't touch on that night because I didn't want to just keep talking and talking and talking. You know, it's different when you got visuals. So that was about 60% you know, of the breakdown. There's another 40% I got, but I'm I'm releasing the video um, where it's going to be a DVD or you'll be able to download it straight to your smartphone. So Red and Blue will make that announcement um, on the next show, which will be on Friday because it should be ready um, one week from today, um, next Tuesday. So just letting everybody know that's going to be available for the download, and I ain't going to be breaking nobody's pocket at all, I just, you know, ask that everybody check it out and see where I go with it because the visuals, you know, and the animations and all that, man, it, it makes the breakdown all the more powerful. And this one uh, is just set up uh, uh, apart from the rest because of what the movie is about. And, you know, this movie itself is creating a civil war amongst the people because you got the got the pro-Jangos and you got the anti-Jangos. Um, and it's a very, very powerful conversation, you know what I mean, uh, when everybody's making their points. So like I said, I want to thank the people for uh, for supporting me, you know, and, um, and, and, and paying attention. I hope they're going and doing their research and double-checking, you know. And most of all, I like to give thanks and honor to the great noble Ju Ali, um, his being his soul cycle, his born day-to-day, and... Um, you know, it, it's powerful that it's one week to the day I did the breakdown when, you know, like I said last week, that movie was all about all about nationality, sovereignty, you know, and being a free man, you know, and it taking place right with that civil war. So, you know, with that being said, you know, I'd like to salute you, the people, um, as well as the noble. Indeed. And, um, you know, Whoever the grand designer or architect of this program is that seems to have all of these dates so perfectly aligned, I want to definitely salute that. Oh, yeah, that, for sure. That governing spirit that puts this thing together, that unseen hand that moves the pieces. And we're not talking no mystery. So, all right? That's it. That's it. I do have an inauguration speech. Uh-oh. <laughs> Here we go. You know what I'm saying? I do have an inauguration speech. Unleash. Yes, sir. Please share that. Yeah. Red, somebody in the chat is asking a question. Could you please comply and um, drop that link for the brother? Okay. Yep. All right. Here we go. As fate would have it, here we are 
in the year 2013. A calculation as egregious as they come. But I will say that if there's a magic in numbers, I'm enthralled with how the mystical number 13 has aligned itself with our fourth inaugural season. 44. The law is law. Furthermore, the law is love. And what use is love if it's self-contained? Well, tonight it becomes unbound and unchained. We unleash love to all of you, the listeners who have made these three cycles, these three years on KTO Radio, truly magical. And truth be told, the best is yet to come. Now back to that four-letter word, love. It has been used, abused, and confused with um with love. You see, love, just like war, has its variance and degrees. You have love that is conditional, and you have love that knows no conditions. You have to love what you do to remain true, but do you always love who you do it for? Well, the better question is, can you love someone who doesn't love themselves? And for me, the answer is yes and no. If I haven't walked away with anything else after these three seasons, I understand that love without conditions, misdirected and projected to the minions who haven't escaped self-hate, becomes a war on love. That's the shit I don't like. Truth be told, there's a few who stroll through the halls of Cape Hill University and defied the sanctity of this great institution. They've been dismissed and banned from campus. Some have had their names expunged from the public record. Then there's others who took beginner courses here, played one season on the team, and fled the draft with the playbook in hand. He knows about you. So quick to flee through the door as soon as it's cracked the jaw, which brings us to the mystical number four, the door, dollars, foundation. What use is a house built on a shaky foundation? Is that house destined to fall? All the love in the world can't save it when Sandy comes through. So it is. The veil is lifted. Houses, institutions, worlds, beliefs are all falling, eroding, subject to fall or simply imploding. The flaws in the infrastructure are poking and protruding out. Leaders are being challenged. Charlatans exposed. Beliefs debunked. You name it, it's going down in the now. But how much energy needs to be vested into proving a lie? Will that time alone erode the facade of the house built on lies? They say that the lip of truth shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Our ancestors left our truths etched in stone, unnerved by time, untouched by the winds of change, maybe covered up, but fact, whether it be at the hand of nature or the hand of man, is temporal. At most. So tonight's guests carry on a tradition of unearthing, uncovering, interpreting, and conveying the hidden truths of a people so old, dementia setting, 
tonight, we also celebrate the legacy of two great noblemen who have also contributed their life's mission to stirring the pot and awakening the sleeping giants of North Mexico and beyond. Our brother, Prince Uriel Bay, and Noble Drew Ali, the prophet of the Moral Science Temple of America. Now, you can change your mind, you can change your clothes, you can change your allegiance, but you can't change your blood. You're bound by it. So you might as well learn how to love what comes from it, what comes with it, and what comes of it. For those who identify with the connection to these lands through blood, consider this a labor of love. For those of us who know we have rivers of blood from many lands that spill into our bloodstream, we offer this program to you as well to bring clarity to a topic which can be rather confusing if not given its proper context. So like they said, blood is thicker than water, okay? And through thick and thin, whether it's thick or thin, there may be obstructions and blockages, but the flow commences. So as I am here on this program with my blood brothers, okay, who I love unconditionally, we also say to you, family and audience, that are of our blood, Peace, Hotep, Shalom, and let the show commence. Peace. Powerful, 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 brother. Thanks. Very much so. Very, very powerful. Uh, Brother Red. Do you know what number tonight's first guest should be calling from? Should be an 859. See that in the call queue? No, I don't. I don't see it in the call queue. Um, Go ahead and um, contact the the guest for tonight, and I'll be right back. You said do what? I'm going to contact the guest, and I'll be right back. Season 4.4. Yeah, he said do what? I didn't hear him. He said, he said, hold on tight. He's about to find out what number they're calling from. Okay. Yeah. All right. Indeed. Um, yeah, season 4.4 underway. Yes, yes, absolutely. Season 4.4. Is definitely underway, uh, you know, for the family that's been following this, uh, this football season. You know what I'm saying? Not too much of a football fan, but I, you know, I've seen a no, few you, games. No, no, no. You mean you mean Mandingo fighting? <laughs> <laughs> what you talking about, right? Yeah, that thing there. You did. You did a fine job, fine job. Go on, have yourself a tall beer. Have a tall beer. Get one of them women's poke on. Man, didn't go fighting, son. But I feel you, though. You know, it's almost that time for that prediction again, homie. It's almost time for the prediction. Yeah, that, that, that prediction is definitely coming through. I already 
I already know what it's going to be. You know what I'm saying? Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to start put, uh, making a gift a gift cipher and put, putting that money down with the show. So we could come up just like the Super Bowl come up every year. Yeah. Matter of fact, yeah, I was about to let it go. I ain't going to let it go. I ain't going to let it go, but I see it. You know what I'm saying? It's laid out. There you go. There you go. There you go. So, yeah, um, tonight is going to be um, a, a humongous show. You know, I'm, I'm hoping that all those people who downloaded that show are now listening <laughs> to the show, you know, because, uh, you know, Jose and Yazoo, yeah, they they about to do that double team, that crazy double team. I can't wait to see what they're going to be getting into. The more research I do about this land um, and the Moors and who is here, the more I keep seeing Yazoo everywhere. Everywhere I look, I see Yazoo River, Yazoo Province, Yazoo uh, um, land somewhere, Yazoo Deal. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he's everywhere, man. And then when I came across that Natchez Trace, that, that Natchez Trace I posted, yes, that dunk is 4,440 uh, 4, miles. Yeah, that was mine you mentioned. Oh, no, no, 440 miles. My bad, not 4,000. 440 miles. Indeed. Which goes right through um, the Yazoo um, land. I said, man, Absolutely. it all lines up. Let me do this because, you know, this is the beginning of our fourth season, you know what I'm saying, and we was talking about foundation. And truth be told, you know, technically, you know, people might think that we have three uh, hosts on KTL, but we do have a hidden pillar, and it's not necessarily always the third pillar. We've got two hidden pillars. So there's a fourth hidden pillar that normally holds the show down, definitely did some supreme duties for KTL Radio and our third cycle piloted plenty of shows, held it down, also has one of the second downloaded shows on the program, that being you know, the fear of the black Illuminati. So with no further ado, let me open up the line and call it from the 213 real quick. 270. Peace to the gods. Now, what would the enemy be without the rabbi? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> yeah. uh, the rabbi, the rabbi. Dr. King Schultz up in the building. What up, man? It's good. Ain't shit. Sometimes me all the time us, you know. You already? Shout out to the whole family. Shout out to KTS. Show was crazy. I'm about to get my um my Django on later on. If I can get into it, you know, man, you a legend. You a legend. I appreciate <laughs> that, brother. I do what I can do yeah, when I do it. Yeah, but you, you cut from that cloth, so we expect nothing but greatness from you. you know oh, man. Mean? You know it. Word up. So you, we know where you come from. Word up. So, 
Other than that, I'm chilling like a villain on a stakeout, waiting for the cops to break out. I'm back in L.A. I am so happy to be off of the Eastern Seaboard. It's cold as in that hooter scooter over there. You know what I mean? I'm over here with the um, with the guard, with the young builder, Tommy Buns, the filmmaker extraordinaire. We in the crib about to put all this good old Adobe photo after effects and everything and popping into this whole Kabbalah God whole situation. We about to go someplace else, get your film game up. You know what I mean? We doing movies, my nigga. <clears throat> Shout out to the homie um, that did that uh, uh, Hidden Color, John. I went to go see that in oh, the movie, Tyreek. son. Yeah, yeah, man. That's a straight body. I said, fuck that. I'm go- I got to do the same shit. I wanted to see what our content looked like on the movie screen. My nigga, it's a different experience. Yeah. So, totally. You totally. know, I'm proud of him. Proud of him. That's it. You know? Tyreek. Tyreek got it in, man. That's why I, ca- yeah, I kept yeah. bringing him up last week because we talk about black directors and how they need to get out and do something, and he has. He he didn't he didn't started it. You know, he's the first one to really step out there and do it unfiltered and release it and be successful. And we got and I love that I love the uni- no question and the universal message. We can't ostracize nobody. And they didn't ostracize nobody. They wasn't no, removing they nobody. No, they time bickering. Exactly. They don't. And, you know, he killed it. You know, I, I'm talking about when I got street niggas. You know, you know, you know who we know. When I got the hood talking about hidden colors, and they like, son, did you see that? Trying to style on me. Son, what yeah. you know about hidden <laughs> colors, nigga? What you know about hidden colors? I'm like, wow. That's it's right, because they pushing mm-hmm. it in the streets just like any other movie. You know what I'm saying? For real. For real. For real. For real. So, yeah, man, you know, we, we done got about time, we got, Hell yeah. Don't be surprised if I if I get, I had a good meeting today. Don't be surprised we have Soldier Boy on the motherfucking team, boy, talking about he conscious. No, nah, we took Waka Flocka had a had a <laughs> he had a copy in his hand. Word up, Waka Flocka had we, a copy. We, we the heroes on the low. We you don't even know who listening, son. I got some confirmation man, today. Man, extraordinaire. I'm telling you, man, they paying attention, man. <laughs> you know they gonna be mad. <laughs> We just found out, um, a co- like two weeks ago, that we um, number one in uh, alternative hip hop uh, category on um, Dag. I forget the website, uh, but I know I think I think Red and Blue both got the link though. But um, yeah, on the, in the alternative hip hop section, we number one on the charts with uh, yep. Rise of the Guardians. Hell yeah. Shout out to the uh, uh, man, to KB, the legend. I was with him. Oh, yeah, the shaman. Come on, man. Roll shaman the the legend. I inherited one of the mics, yeah? So we're going to be recording in the crib. I got some shit, boy. Some shit, boy. <laughs> Illuminati loafers. Why that Illuminati loafers ain't on the show yet, my nigga? What? Dominate <laughs> the ether. 
manipulate the water. Ignorance we slaughter. Listening to life is good. Think about my daughter and how to afford her. New dialect. Daddy with a check. ASCAP vets, BMI tribes, Illuminati loafers, diplomatic sofas, monetary cultures, nigga. You heard? Big huh? Illuminati loafers, man. Huh? <laughs> but look, see, you will be back on the show very shortly. You know what I'm saying? So, family, you know, we got to bring the brother back very early in the fourth season to inaugurate that. Number 13, the brother is manifested on that number himself, so what would it be without the bro? Oh, you know it. Word is bomb. Okay, man, y'all do the work, man. I'm listening. I want to hear the big homie go in. I I seen y'all all have him on the show, man. I, I have um I have I got an old cassette tape when we was doing it on VHS boy with the big homie. You know what I'm saying on there. So Shout out to all the Moors. After this, I'm going to the, um, they got a more Science Temple out in California. California is just better than everything. Here in Chicago is just dope. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's a young people temple out here with youth, with the youth. That's about it. You heard? So I'm going to go to the They're having a big party. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to um, Sister C-Rod, Sister Kateria. You know, Sister C-Rod is in the more Science Temple here. You know, she invited me to the party. You know, it's going to be crazy. It's going down, for real. All right. And, you know, and I so. love family. You know what I'm saying? Definitely let them know that the brother, Jose Pimiente Bay, will be in Cali, I believe, on the 12th, very shortly. So oh, I'm sure there. Get into that on the program. We do have him on the line right now. Excellent. So, yes, indeed. Let me get directly into the program, family. As promised, with no further ado, we present to you our brother, your brother, Jose Pimiente Bay, Ph.D. Caller from the 859. Peace. Islam. Peace. Islam. Peace. How Islam. Are brothers doing? Are there any sisters in, in the house as well? Or just the brothers tonight on the in the studio? On the line, the sisters are definitely in the building on the phone line. So, you know, universal greeting. All is accepted. We honor your presence here tonight on the program. Thank you, man. Well, I, I have to say that I'm pleased that you have taken the time and everybody who's involved with you to give honor to the prophet and founder of the Moorish Science Temple Movement, Brother Prophet Noble Drew Ali. And this is his day of, of birth in 1886. So uh, I'm I'm grateful, and I appreciate. I, I I know I had shared with you that I can only be with uh, our family this evening till about 10:15. Um, but I'm glad that I have a few moments to just share a little bit about you know what uh, Drew Ali uh, means to me and how it impacted upon the work that I chose to do. Um, my uncle had been a member of the Moorish Science Temple since the early 1950s. And one yeah. of the things that my uncle always imparted to me when I was growing up as a kid in New York, in fact, out on, on Long Island, uh, my uncle lived in, in Queens in Jamaica. And whenever I'd go to visit him or whenever he came out to visit, he would always talk about 
the Moors. And he would always talk about the Moors Science Temple. And like a lot of families, not everybody really gets the message. You know, some of us will listen to what some of our elders are saying and we, you know, kind of say, ah, you know, I don't know nothing about that noise and we'll kind of back off of it. And then others will actually listen and say, well, no, no, you know, he's, he or she is making sense. And I started to do that at a relatively young age. And I wanted to know from my Uncle Johnny, uh, you know, who who was Prophet Noble Drew Ali? Because I heard you talk about Noble Drew Ali and put more in context. Because although I knew that our own family had connections to both Spain through Cuba, because my father's family, my father's from Cuba, and I'd heard my father talk about uh, Los Moros, or the Moors, and he used references to people who he really respected and called them, or would say, actually, that anybody who was of African ancestry, and he's, you know, coming up to the United States, who was, I mean, living in the U.S., but grew up in Cuba, who showed uh, a certain nobility about their nature, and people who were intellectuals, he said, they used to call mortals or moors. So this is something which is coming from a Cuban context and my father growing up in the 1930s and 40s in, in Cuba. So listening to my uncle talking about moors and moors science and listening to my father giving his perspective had me pay more attention. And then as I started to uh, go to college, by my second year, I decided that I was going to focus on the history of the Moors. I said, let me look a little more closely at this legacy. And like a lot of us, we're introduced to the work, ultimately, of uh, Dr. Ivan Van Sertema, uh, African presence in um, uh, uh, early Europe. Uh, we would know something also about the Moors if we listened to um, Gil uh, uh, Noble, uh, this is actually listened and watched, but uh, Dr. Van Sertema, uh, by the time I got to graduate school, then spoke to me about a project on the Moors and where I was still focusing on the history of the Moors in Africa and in Europe. I started to pay more attention to looking at deconstructing and making sense of what was happening with the Moorish science temple movement, something that very few people had, had actually done, uh, and I should say, and, and had done well without a bias. So long story short, because I, you know, I know I'm, I'm trying to cover a lot of information in a short span of time, I decided by the time I was in graduate school, because of hearing about Drew Ali, not knowing you know, too much detail beyond what you would get from the official Moorish literature, I knew something about the historical Moors, us and our impact upon Europe. But then I wanted to see how that related to our presence here in the Americas and the, the uh Inferences or the illusions, as in A L L U S I O N S, 
the allusions that Dr. Van Sertema was making to a Moorish presence. Uh, conversations I had with the late uh, Dr. Sharshi Lawrence McIntyre, who also discussed Native American and African American connections, uh, looking at aspects of Mormon theology, strange as it may seem, with the interesting name of Mormon, which is Old Dutch for more, and wondering if there was some connection even in that theology, which has its roots in 19th century America with Joseph Smith out of upstate New York. So there was so much information, you know, a lot of things that were kind of uh, presented in a very obscure, a very obfuscated way that I knew needed to be put together. The pieces needed to be put together, and the person who gave me the clearest uh, vision or ability to draw those connections was Drew Ali by way of the teachings found in the Moorish Quran, by way of the teachings conveyed to me through members of the Moorish Science Temple, and then my own membership uh, in 1985 in one of the, the grand bodies, and then a subsequent membership and association with uh, others. Uh, all of this information uh, had me realize, you know, five, what I often refer to as five very important or essential elements or points. One of them is that we as African Americans or so-called blacks in the United States or in the Americas, really anywhere, need to understand that we have a nationality and that we should define ourselves by that. In the case of here in the Americas, Drew Ali gave us this, this reference, this kind of supra, supra, S-U-P-R-A, supranational uh, nationality reference, meaning it, it's over-encompassing like, like British, which is Moorish. He also pointed out that we as African or Afro-Asiatic people were here in the Americas long before Europeans had arrived. He also gave us a, an interpretation of Islam that he defined as Islamism, which you know one finds has links to the Marabudic traditions of the Murids in West Africa. But also, if you look closer, you can see even has theological connections to the earliest teachings attributed to the Nazarene, or Jesus of Nazareth. And then finally, that by declaring one's nationality, one was then recognized as a part and parcel of this said government, as Drew Ali said, that we were there from the beginning, that we were part of the foundation of the country, both here in the Americas as well as the connections to to Morocco. Now, the importance of nationality, the, import the importance of having a clearer spiritual view for anyone who's even moving towards what we would label as consciousness, that should be self-evident. You know, if we don't know who we are, then anything that anyone else tells us is what we become. So if someone says that, you know, you all have no history, you, you know, you basically, what my uncle used to say, some folks thought that they were like Topsy, you know, from, from the old 
Uncle Tom's Cabin uh, 19th century work where when Topsy was asked where she came from, she said, I don't know, I just sprouted up out of the earth. But having no understanding of our link to an empire, our link to a spiritual tradition that completely rejected the idea that God would be anything other than an extension of us and vice versa, for that matter. To think that people would think of God when they close their eyes as a European male and not see that as problematic doesn't make any sense. And yet all of this is something that was contained within the, the teachings of Noble Drawley, who said that, obviously, he said the church needed to be returned. He didn't say the teachings of the Christ. He said we need to return the church to the European, because that institution was established for the Europeans' earthly salvation. He wasn't criticizing that for them. That's for them. But he also wasn't rejecting the Christ or Isa or Yeshua or the Nazarene. All of this could be found in what this seemingly simple man from the South, from North Carolina, was able to convey to the masses of our people. And that speaks volumes about you know, why we should honor and respect the memory of Prophet and Founder and Brother Noble Drew Ali. Indeed. I mean, I, I realize I just spoke without stopping for a while. There's a, there's a lot there to unpack. If I need to go back, I can can go over or clarify certain things. But, you know, when I when I wrote uh, my book, yes. uh, Othello's Children in the New World, the reason specifically for writing it, I didn't, you know, write that book so that it would be directly uh, given to a university press. I wanted to get that book out immediately so and to write it in a format that I knew that the rank-and-file folk in our community would be able to make use of. And the purpose of it was to clarify what the Moorish science movement was all about. There are so many brothers and sisters, including a lot of scholars, academics, who still don't see the value of what was conveyed, who still think Drew Ali was making up something when he talked about um, our Moorish identity, or when he talked about Islamism and what he meant by that. And that's one of the, the things that didn't make sense to me, particularly as a student of history, someone who then went to try to study the science of historical writing, the science of historical research, how to critique works, how to piece together the, the fragmented past, and the only way to do that was to actually come in with that open mind and, and not hold that bias. But it, it, you know, it also meant that if one had a particular religious belief coming from a, you know, a, say a Christian background, you know, as a child, I went to a private Lutheran school. 
before I went to, to public school. So my influences were clearly, and that was one of the reasons why, getting back to my own you know, family experience, why I had individuals in my own family who, because of being raised as uh, Western-oriented Christians, because then we could talk about Christians, say, in Ethiopia, the Tewahedo Church, or even the Coptic Church of Egypt, which have a more Afrocentric or Africa-centered interpretation of those, you know, those traditions, those church traditions, than a lot of us coming from, say, a Baptist tradition or, or what have you. And again, the idea was not to have us devalue the teachings of Jesus the Christ. It was to put Jesus the Christ in a context that persons of African or Asiatic ancestry could properly identify with. And one of the key things is remembering that the Nazarene was born in a part of the world that is at the crossroads of Africa and Asia. That sort of understanding was something that Drew Ali was teaching in the 19 teens through 1929 when he passed form. Drew Ali was also introducing people to elements of the esoteric teachings, or teachings generally associated only for the initiates, to the masses. So the things that were quietly being taught in certain uh, uh, Masonic circles were things that he brought to the forefront so that the rank and file would be able to benefit from those teachings. Knowing the significance of Egypt, for example, in the Western world. Of course, it's no secret anymore that the Freemasonic tradition draws largely upon uh, Kemet or Nile Valley civilization, as well as the Indus Valley. Well, this is not something that the average brother or sister would have known living in um, uh, rural America in the early 1900s or even living in urban America, unless they were part of the so-called Negro elites. So this is something that Drew Ali gave people access to. Understanding that we as African people are also connected to the wider world by telling folks, yes, you are of African ancestry, but more specifically, you're part of what was once a Moorish uh, empire that included different African peoples different nations within, as I said before, the supranationality. The analogy that I use, again, is British. People talk about the British Empire. You can be British and, and be Welsh at the same time because Wales is within the superstructure known as Great Britain or the U.K. The same thing applies with the Moorish Empire. So one can be literally Cherokee and Moorish in the sense that Cherokee falls within the dominion or the boundaries of what was once part of the old Moorish Empire. Dr. Van Sertema, the late, great Dr. Van Sertema, was alluding to this when he wrote They Came Before Columbus. He and I actually lectured together on two occasions in Connecticut. Uh, he gave me the first opportunity to, to publish something in his uh, anthology, uh, The Golden Age of the Moor. Um, I knew that this was something that we as African peoples, and particularly we in the United States, needed to have you know, greater awareness of. 
because it would open up our minds to our significance beyond the legacy of slavery. Because most of us in the United States tend to only think that if you talk about African people and history, the only thing you can deal with is the history of our slavery or the history of our colonization under Europeans. But when you start to find out that we as Moors had controlled the Iberian Peninsula, but we also controlled a region that we then introduced the sciences of the East, the sciences of Nile Valley, the sciences, even things that the Greeks had contributed to that were lost to Western Europe, we reintroduced to people in areas of, of what had once been Rome and Greece in terms of the empires. So, you know, it's, it's amazing to me when one considers that an 800-year presence, just to, again, talk about the Moorish legacy across the water, 800 years of this African Muslim presence, this Afro-Asiatic, if we want to also talk about the people who were of mixed African and Asian descent, these people who occupied Europe for 800 years, and yet to this day, and I, you know, I've taught at West Virginia University in the history department, I've taught at Ohio University, I'm a tenured faculty member um, at Berea College in Kentucky, and of course I've lectured at universities and colleges all over the United States, and I've you know, lectured at international conferences in Europe as well. Most curricula spend almost no time whatsoever addressing this 800-year presence of African and Afro-Asiatic people, if you will, in Europe, which is longer than Greece, held an empire, it's longer than Rome held an empire. The Moorish presence has everything to do with why Europe ascended out of its dark ages. It has everything to do with why Europe would develop a university system. Some things are hidden in plain view. We'll look at um, the use <laughs> of Arabic numerals and not realize that the introduction of those Arabic numerals into the Western world was primarily done by Moors carrying this mathematical tradition and, uh, and other sciences, but carrying these mathematics into Europe. The universities throughout Europe, from Oxford to uh, Salamanca and, and uh, Naples, um, Salerno universities and medical schools that were associated with the teaching of Moorish medical knowledge, astronomical knowledge, scientific knowledge in general. This is something that's done following the Moorish presence. And yet, almost 
I should say almost very few students, unless they get to graduate school, and I'm talking about students who study history, know almost nothing about it. Right. So um, all of this was the result of my having, again, been introduced to the Moorish Science Temple, introduced to its founder and our prophet, Noble Drew Ali, who opened up a whole new world and gave clarity to our identity. You know, for so for so long, you know, uh, people had had attempted to do that to try try to get us to understand that we are a part of a nation. But the question is, what nation? You know, I don't know where my people come from. Uh, I just know we're from Alabama, or we came from, you know, South Carolina. In recent years now, with DNA testing, people are finding out. Oh, I found out that my family is is. Uh, Fulani, or my family is Mende, or my family is is uh, uh, Hausa, or Ibu, or Yoruba, or, or different African ethnic groups. But what's significant is that prior to that, Drew Ali, of course, not knowing at that time about DNA testing, was saying that you came from someplace within the African world or within the Americas, because the two were one was an extension of the other. Africans have been in the Americas, and Americans had actually gone to Africa. The historian Jack Forbes had written about this and talked about this about 20 years ago in his book, Africans and Native Americans. And he's a Native American historian. So my decision to write Othello's Children, my decision to contribute to Dr. Van Sertima's anthology, my decision to, um, to write other work addressing the Moorish legacy, even a, a, um, an entry in uh, Dr. Malefe Asante and Ama Mazama's edited work, the Encyclopedia of Black Studies, when I was asked to write a, a short piece, kind of um, giving uh, a good overview, a good summary of the Moorish Science Temple movement and what it means. Uh, you know, it's something that um, I knew I needed to do in order to, as they say, spread the word, because we know so little about ourselves. And the ancient Chemites told us, know thyself. And, it's, and again, to go back to Drew Ali, it's no accident that Drew Ali talked about ancient Kemet, of course using the term Egypt, in the Moorish Quran and in the Moorish literature. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk these days about the idea of, you know, uh, we live in a society that is essentially a corporation and we need to see it in that context and the complexities of that discussion with the straw man and everything else. But we often miss the larger message of what Drew was talking about, which was the importance of our nationality and the importance of our spirituality. Because everything else is moot if we don't conduct ourselves first and foremost as noble Moors, the type of people that Europeans, Asians used to revere because we were known as a people of love, truth, peace, freedom, and justice, and in that order. And I think a lot of us, even when we're introduced to it, I think we sometimes forget that. 
there's a reason why Othello, even in the uh, uh, English uh, uh, Shakespeare you know, uh, tradition, is referred to as noble, the noble moor. It was understood that we were an upright people. We were a self-respecting people. We were a people that respected others. And that's often lost, you know. So my contribution to the fields of history, African and African-American studies, uh, even in theology, because I've written pieces on the history of theology. I, I teach a history of uh, religion class and have for the past five years. I had the opportunity to visit uh, Egypt and Israel and Jordan um, in order to better understand the history of Christianity, but in the process better understood the history of Judaism and the history of Islam, al-Islam, and for me, most importantly, the history of Islamism, what Drew Ali was getting at when he was trying to get us to see the principles, the spiritual principles, and to get away from the dogma. Mm. So, um, Can I ask you something very... Go ahead, brother. Hello. I wanted you to build a little bit further on your comparisons to the modern-day African in America mm-hmm. and that analogy between the tragic figure of fellow. Can you elaborate on Yes, yes. Um, the tragic fellow in Shakespeare's Othello is one who suffers because he does not love himself enough. And it's an odd situation because on the one hand, of course, the fictional Othello, who was said to be based upon a real person that lived about 60 years before the writing of the, of the play, Othello. The fictional Othello doesn't have much self-love in the face of being in service to the Venetian city-state. So here's a man who was revered by the Venetian authorities. He's a general for the Venetian army. He's a dignitary. He's an aristocrat serving Venice. In spite of his power, in spite of his wealth, he has the love of this Venetian woman, this Italian woman. Um, He feels inadequate. Now, you know, for me as a historian, when I look at uh, how one interprets that, I know that some literary critics actually say that he was more uncomfortable with his age, um, you know, essentially his, his discomfort was because he was older than Desdemona, and so his age made him uncomfortable. But then Jan Carew, who was also one of our great historians, um, sees something else. And actually what I'll do, because I quote Jan Carew um, in my own book, where Jan says, apart from other considerations, Othello is the symbol of an uprooted man in a new age of rootless human beings. 
Wanderers and Adventurers. In Venice, his African persona diffuses itself and becomes the subject of excuse me, of reminiscences to entertain and enthrall Desdemona. He never once mentions the African mother who mothered him. And ignoring his mother, he becomes a man without a sense of place, bereft of country, family, and clan. His final passionate outburst, then, is more an impotent rage against himself. He had tried to replace the loss of psychic roots and a psychic identity with his love for an ideal, and he had failed. Essentially what Carew was saying is the fictional character of Othello does not reflect a whole lot of love for his own identity. In other words, he has the, the accoutrements of respect because at that time in history, there was great respect for us as Moors. We were known, again, not, we just were not respected for our military prowess. We were respected for our scientific, medical prowess, knowledge, and skill. But the fictionalized representation of Othello is one who does not show a whole lot of self-love for his Africanity, for his Moorishness. And it's tragic because it results in him having this uh, final passionate outburst, essentially against the woman who didn't deserve to die, in spite of what one may think about this idea of an interracial marriage, as she's presented in the play, she was innocent. She didn't deserve that. He realizes that afterwards, and then he does what? He commits suicide. The analogy for me, when I look at where a lot of African Americans are, or so-called blacks are, there's a lack of self-knowledge and therefore a lack of self-love. If you don't have full knowledge of yourself, it's impossible for you to have a real love of oneself. And I don't mean arrogant love. I mean a healthy sense of love of self. You know that you have value. You know that you're a reflection of the Most High. You know that you're a reflection of Allah, the Creator. When you have that self-knowledge, you are then prone to want to perpetuate yourself, Protect yourself and any self that looks like yourself, if you get my point. Because everyone else, then, who is a reflection of you, closest to you, is someone who has value. It's only when you do not like yourself that you begin to self-destruct and seek to destroy others who look like you. So the analogy for me is that most of us do not possess a level of self-love because we don't have an appropriate level of self-knowledge. And there's no greater pool or resource 
for us to draw from, to see our greatness in a balanced way. Because not everything about Moorish history, of course, is, as Dr. Karenga would say, a self-congratulatory narrative. But you'll find that nowhere. China has a great civilization. China is a great people. But the Chinese who know and are honest about the history and culture and say there are things in Chinese history that we know were not ideal. But the overwhelming legacy is something that we honor, which is why we continue to respect and honor being Chinese, which is why we continue to respect and honor um, our ancestors, so that in the Taoist tradition or the Buddhist tradition, they will uh, put up pictures of their ancestors and burn incense and remember them. What do most black Americans do? Do we put up pictures of our ancestors and ritualize remembering them? Or do we have a picture of Jesus of Norway as opposed to Jesus of Nazareth? A Jesus of Norway, a European image of Jesus hanging up, and we attribute that as God. What is that doing psychologically? What is that doing spiritually? If we're not affirming who we are through our own ancestors, through our own people, through our own culture and legacy. And it's a result of a lack of self-knowledge. And so we can't possibly have any, any real self-love. So Othello is a tragic figure in English literature. And to a large extent, much of the black American legacy is tragic because of that lack of self-knowledge. Of course, there are triumphs, but the bottom line is we continue to struggle with things that we shouldn't be struggling with. We have the numbers, we have the financial wealth to be able to do more than what we're doing, but we're not there yet because we lack the unity and the singleness or, the, or say the, a, a more focused mind in being able to achieve certain things because we're still fighting with ourselves. You know, one minute we were calling ourselves black, one, another minute we were calling ourselves colored, then before we were calling ourselves Negro, you know, African American, and some people go back to calling themselves black. No, I'm not African American because I've never been to Africa, and I say what I've said before. Asians still don't call themselves yellows. They don't talk about yellow power. They say they're Asian. Or they say specifically where they came from. So at least those of us who've started to use the term African-American are acknowledging that we have a connection to Africa and we have a connection to America. And with the increase in our historical knowledge about the bridging that was shown by the work of people like Ivan Van Sertema, and even some European, I've got to give credit where credit is due, some European scholars who came before Dr. Van Sertema, who would alluded to this, Leo Wiener, Alexander Von Futenau, who was, in Mexico, who was in Mexico, who were talking about this African presence in the pre-Columbian Americas. But again, for me, like I said, the analogy is that we have lost the knowledge of ourselves. And that lack of self-knowledge is a result 
and a lack of self-love and a rather tragic condition. Uh, in spite of, like I said, the successes that we've had. So. Yes. Can I ask one more question of you before you depart? Very quickly. Okay. I wanted to explain to our audience what you mean by the term pigmentocracy. Ah. Um, pigmentocracy. A pigmentocracy, which is a term that my Uncle Johnny introduced me to when I was about 16 years old. He said, we live in a pigmentocracy, a society which places the greatest value and worth upon those persons whose phenotype is most closely associated with a European phenotype. And I could even specify at the, high, at the the height of that would be the person who looks the most Nordic. So the the, the more Nordic or Anglo one looks, the more value or worth they hold. So the idea of pigment, of pigmentocracy as opposed to a democracy, we tend to value and we tend to give greater worth to those who most closely resemble, as I say, a Nordic image or a um, uh, Anglo or English, you know, say typical English phenotype. Um, that pigmentocracy, of course, is the result of the decline in power of the African historically. And what's also interesting is it's, it is very um, much related to the idea of a caste system, particularly as found you know, in traditional Indian society with the Brahmins on the top and the so-called untouchables or the Sudra uh, at the bottom. And uh, one of the, the arguments that I make in my book Othello's children, is that there has been a Brahminizing in the United States over the last several centuries, a Brahminizing of the Anglo phenotype. And when I say Brahminizing, I'm using the term Brahmin as in the highest caste in the Indian society, the Brahmin priests, um, who are then held in highest esteem. And that esteem is simply associated with the phenotype. The person could act like a devil. The person could be rotten as, as they want to be. But in many people's minds who are uh, who brought into the pigmentocratic system, it doesn't matter. That person is still seen to have greater value because of that. And that, again, speaks to the self-hatred, the lack of self-knowledge, and it's something that um, uh, we need to remedy. And like I say, uh, Drew Ali and the Moorish Science Temple sought to do that. And it didn't, it didn't do it by proclaiming, you know, that there was any hatred for people because they were Europeans. It proclaimed a discontent for our hating ourselves. And it proclaimed, a, uh, a, if you will, a problem with injustice. 
So, but of course, we have to first clean up our own act, and everything else will fall into place. Mm. Well, I know I said a lot. I've got it. Well, I've got about another five minutes. If you still want to want to, uh, yes, I do have another question for you because. Uh, for our last two episodes, we've had a caller calling from Ireland. And the uh, individual from Ireland has been alluding to some research that he's been doing about Moorish roots in Ireland mm. and been doing what we can on our hand to lend some support to his research by sharing certain things that we know. Mm-hmm. I definitely know that, um, you know, Drew Ali himself spoke of the Irish being our bedroom. Yes. I've 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 heard I've heard that as well and I don't doubt it because um yes. the any, Irish um, I'm sorry, go ahead, brother, I'll let you finish and then I'll I'll just say what I was saying. If you had information or any light that you could shed on that topic. Um yes. First of all I have to say that one of the scholars that I early on had great respect for and still do is an Irish uh, American scholar by the name of Peter Lamborn Wilson. Um, now, again, I'm respecting his scholarship as it pertains to the Moors. I know some people have expressed some differences of opinion with other interpretations that he has regarding some other issues, but I'm speaking specifically about the respect that he shows in his own research for the legacy of Prophet Noble Drawali, someone who he himself studied um, the teachings of Drawali in Maryland in the 1950s and early 60s. Um, first of all, when we talk about the Irish or the Celtic tribes, we're talking about tribes who were themselves diverse in their phenotypes their physical appearance. Groups like the Silers, S-I-L-U-R-E-S, are often described as looking more North African than European. Celtic groups who living in the Iberian Peninsula and also living in Africa uh, in antiquity, who would later move north intermarry with other groups who were lighter in hue, would develop uh, what we would then define as a Celtic language, a language that would share, you know, common roots. And that group, uh, known as the Celts, is really then a mixture of different groups. Some would have been darker in hue, others would have been lighter. So, in terms of the Irish Irish heritage, Irish legacy, it itself has connections to the Maghreb as well as to areas of Western Asia. Um, secondly, something that I also note in my book, the term, and this is very peculiar, the term used for Jesus in the Celtic language is Isa. The word Isa 
also happens to be the Arabic name for Jesus. So it raises a question about how or why the Celts would have knowledge of the Nazarene via a term whose roots are Arabic and in North Africa among you know, Arabic-speaking African peoples. So those are the two most outstanding points that come to mind when it, well, you know, when you mention about the connection to, to Ireland. Um, I met a, uh, a scholar some years ago who was from Ireland who told me about these links uh, to the Moors and that his brother was actually in Africa, in Morocco, uh, visiting what he referred to as the homeland. <laughs> and uh, he said to me, you know, with a with his, his uh, Irish accent, he says, you, you, you know that the Mars were in Ireland? And I said, actually, I do. He says, oh, the, he says, you know, most people know nothing about the Moors, and there's a book called The Book of the Invasions. And the Book of the Invasions, it talks about this presence of the Mars who came, you know, long before uh, the establishment of, the, you know, what would become the United States. And basically... It's no shock because there are links not only to Ireland, but links to Scotland. And, you know, understanding that. Here's the upside of this. If our purpose, ultimately, as human beings, is to create a better world, I would argue that it is imperative for us to seek bridges with people on legitimate terms, no doubt, and particularly those who begin to confess and acknowledge our legacy. Keep in mind, Drew Ali, when he came on the scene in Chicago in the 1920s, saying that he was Moorish, saying that we were Moorish, talking about Islamism, was in a city, Chicago, filled with European immigrants, lots of Irish-Americans and Italian-Americans and German-Americans and Polish-Americans, and etc., as well as our own people coming up from the South, you know, every year, uh, especially following the Great Migration. Key one allies who were in the European community. When it was his birthday, he got cards and calls from the governor, from uh, judges, from aldermen in the 1920s. On the one hand, one could say it was because he, can, you know, he had a certain political constituency that uh, they were concerned about. But on the other hand, that's happened before. We've had people historically who've been able to deliver a vote, but they weren't earning the same level of respect that Drew Ali would earn. If one re, you know, reads the Chicago Defender articles and sees you know, who was in attendance, even you know, as, at his passing, and who came to his birthday, and Oscar de Priest, these were people 
in the European community who I would argue knew the facts historically. And this comes again from my uncle. And I could give you a number of examples from both my uncle's life and my own where Europeans basically said in no uncertain terms, everything you said is true. The Moors are one of the greatest civilizations that ever graced European soil. Your presence brought us out of the Dark Ages. We ourselves carry your bloodline, particularly in the Mediterranean. When you talk about advances in science, particularly in medical science, it was at your urging. You preserved Greek knowledge, but you also enhanced and improved upon Greek and other ancient knowledge. So it's happened. So when, you know, when we look at someone like this gentleman who was doing research on Ireland, and we see this person, I imagine, giving honor to our Moorish legacy, it's another reason why we need to back up off of black and get specific. He gave us the term more, not because he made it up, but because it was something that was part of the historical canon. It's known to Europeans who know the facts of their own history. But we, meaning those of us in the African-American community, who for whatever reason, and, and I know some of the reasons are because as it happened to me, I met people telling me, oh, you're Moorish. You know, I met some people Moors and they, you know, got me in trouble or got themselves in trouble saying you didn't have to pay taxes or saying you didn't get a license and saying things that Drew Ali never addressed. And I say all the time, I've heard about that. I don't condone it because even if it has value or merit, it's detracting from the larger issue of first establishing who you are as a citizen of the United States, which means that you have rights and responsibilities. All citizens of any republic have rights and responsibilities. And the way to do that is to then build bridges, create alliances with people who say, this person knows who he is. I'll share one uh, one other story, um, again, specifically from my uncle's life, one of the things that um, had a profound impact on me. My uncle worked for the New York Transit Authority for uh, some 30-odd years. And he worked with different uh, uh, people, of course, different you know nationalities, ethnic groups. He said there was a... Uh, Asian brother who was Japanese. There was a Scottish uh, 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 fellow, a Scottish gentleman who worked there. And he said a couple of Asiatics, uh, African Americans, a so-called Negro, as they called themselves. And he said he would see how these brothers, you know, would carry on and kind of act like they didn't have a whole lot of self-respect and respect for others as well. And he worked with folks and he had to do his job, but when he would finish, he would choose to just kind of sit off by himself. He said, but there was this one other uh, brother, you know, uh, Asiatic brother, African-American brother, who he would talk to, um, who wasn't Moorish, 
but certainly had a lot more self-respect. I, I think he said this brother was a West Indian brother who was a bit more, you know, conservative, if you will. But there was a Japanese man who would never talk to anybody. That he came, he'd have his lunch, he'd sit down by himself, and then one day he heard my uncle talking to these brothers who had kind of made some foolish statement, and he was telling them, brothers, why do you always talk such nonsense? And he said, do you realize, that, do you know who you are? He said, do you know anything about your legacy? Do you know that when you're um, uh, hearing accounts of Egypt, that you're talking about a civilization that's connected to you, that Nile Valley civilization would extend itself in other parts of the Mediterranean, and that there are connections uh, uh, to the civilizations of Greece, and Rome that have its roots in Nile Valley? Do you also know who you are, that you're Moors, and that the Moors had an empire? The brothers stood there. They took the, if you will, the tongue lashing and then, and then kind of walked off. And at that point, mm-hmm. this Japanese brother who had never said anything to my uncle because he hadn't seen him in that context, came over to him when, he, when my uncle sat down and had lunch, and he said, excuse me, he said, may I sit here with you? And he said, yes. And he sat down and he, and he, he said, I was so surprised to hear that you knew anything. And he said, I mean, he said, I mean no disrespect. He said, but I didn't know too many of your people who knew anything about your Moorish history. Mm. And at that moment, this Japanese brother would regularly sit down and talk to my uncle because he found that this was someone who knew. When we know who we are, those who are part of other Asiatic communities, be they Asian or African or even European, begin to show us the respect that we are due. And again, Ali, in the opening of the Moorish Quran, says, know thyself, which is, of course, rooted in the Nile Valley axiom that the Greeks and the Romans would borrow. Right. So, well, it's 1035, my good brother, and I I have to finish up some work and then wrap it up because I've got a, a class in the morning. Absolutely. Very quickly, do you know your schedule as it pertains to L.A.? I believe you should be there on the 12th. Yep. Do you know any other details that pertain to that? Would you please share that with our audience? Yeah, I, I'll i be in Los Angeles speaking um, at the, I think it's called the Victory Banquet Room. Um, and I don't know the exact time. I actually didn't get the itinerary yet from, from Brother Sabir. I'm not right. sure of the time, um, but I can. Uh, oh, actually, I can. Of course, it'd be too late. I can't. I actually can't answer that. When I, I, I actually requested the itinerary from uh, uh, someone who's helping the, the brother out, and they haven't had a chance to send that to me. I, only thing I have now is my flight itinerary. I actually don't know the time. Right. So, Family, we'll be able to share that. 
on Monday's show, I mean on Friday's show, and also um, I believe that uh, it should be posted on the brother's Facebook page, and he will be posting it on his page. Okay. On the you know so what, it might yeah. be, come and think of it, I did, re- I remember this, I don't want to misspeak, I was sent the poster some time ago, but I, I think the time may have said 5 o'clock, but I, I honestly, I don't remember at this time. Okay. When we come across the information, um, we will inform the family, and I'm okay. sure that, you know, it will be before uh, the scheduled date. So I definitely want to say thank you. Uh, we definitely look forward to not only meeting you in person, but also having you back on the program. Maybe we can go a little bit deeper, but we definitely appreciate everything that you were able to share with us tonight. You definitely shed a lot of light. And uh, we wish you the best, brother. Well, I wish you the best. And, I again, I appreciate you and anyone else involved in, in you know, helping you to set everything up and to take the time on January 8th to give honor to Brother Prophet Noble Drew Ali. So um, I, I commend you, and it's, you know, it's, it's as much appreciated by me to be able to, to share the, the, the word about what the Prophet uh, has done. So, and, if, you know, if anybody, you know, wants to get some additional information, I don't get a chance to talk about it, but in terms of uh, some helpful reading for clarity, um, you know, they're welcome to, uh, if they contact you and they want to, uh, you know, contact me, I'm at Berea College in Berea, Kentucky. And like I said, I teach here in the departments of African and African American Studies and in the History Department. So, um, you know, that's because I know I may have opened up uh, a lot of questions that unfortunately we can't get to right now. But, um, right. you know, I appreciate it. sent out and they can go to Amazon and get their hands on the book, correct? Correct. They can go to Amazon.com. Or um, they can go to First Books, which is the actual publisher of the book. And I think they'd save a little money if they went to, to First Books, um, where they can can order it. So, well, well, I appreciate you. Appreciate your audience. I trust that uh, everyone, you know, has a uh, blessed and a peaceful evening. Absolutely, and we definitely. Appreciate the time that you have taken out, your careful consideration and your dedication as well to bring these truths to the people. And for that, we definitely want to say Islam. Salute. Islam. Thank, Thank you, more. I appreciate that. And I'll I'll say good night, and I say peace, peace and love to all, uh, to all our good, good family. So. Absolutely, brother. All right. Have well. Peace, peace and love. Peace and love, brother. Family, you already know what's coming after that. Please uh, cover the ears of your children. Get your cats out the room. We're going to drop these balls.
Brad, if you're in the building, press one, please. Okay. Peace. Peace. That was that was it right there. That was the business. That was the business, man. Like I'm gonna say, family. I said in the chat room. You know, the brother spoke on things that have been mentioned previously on the show, and a lot of which, you know, I already have personal knowledge of. But it was just something about his deliberateness and and just the way it, you know, the way that it came across. It just was totally refreshing to hear it in the context in which he put it. Mm -hmm. So I hope that everyone else, you know, was able to extract that same level of um, of sincerity for what he offered. That one there. That one there. That one there. Sir, well, let's continue on this streak right here of uh, powerful information. Indeed. What is the area code that our next guest should be calling from? What number should I be looking for? 404. Okay. Minister Yazube, if you are in the building in attendance, please press 1 on your phone line at this time. Bring you in and start part 2 with no further ado. Indeed. So to the minister, if you're in the building, please press 1. Uh, in the meantime, in between time, should we take some calls? Because I don't see any hand popping up. Okay. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. I see a caller calling from 757. Seven five seven four seven zero seven five seven caller. Face. Face to the caller from seven five seven. Face. Okay. Let me go to caller from the two one two. Two one two eight nine five two one two caller. Peace. Caller from the two one two. Peace. Okay. I know this ain't a typo. Caller from the five one six. Caller from the five one six eight eight one. Peace. Peace, Lord. Peace, Lord. Peace. Peace, everybody. How y'all? All the well, brother. Yeah, I was listening to the brother. Can you hear me? Now, yes, please. Okay. I was listening to the brother, and, um, you know, he provoked a lot of memories, man. You know, and, um, he struck a chord with me when he said, um, he 
said uh, something to the effect that uh, if you don't have a full knowledge of yourself, you know, how can you how can you truly love yourself? You know? And uh, that goes back to people truly defining what the word love is. You know, <laughs> because a lot of people will project that word into a, into the statement that they love themselves and engage in self-destructive behavior at the same time and say they love that too. So aside from uh, pulling us back to who we are, once that understanding is overstood, then there comes a time where people got to really truly recognize what love is, man, because the general uh, understanding of it or the, or the general comprehension is, isn't real. You know, love is first, and love, truth, peace, freedom, and happiness, you know. Love comes first. It is uh, love that got you here to this day, really, you know. And I look at uh, uh, the philosophical perspective, because I am a philosopher, and I, I see love manifesting it on every level of and permeating our being, so there, if we're going to separate ourselves in the categories and, and look at the highest frequency to the lowest frequency, right, and divide it into four, we got the spiritual, the mental, the physical, and emotional, you know, and the, the first love is divine. You know, you have to recognize that Everything that is, is bound by a law that is cohesive and manifests nothing but love. Because everything is constantly uh, conjoining and multiplying and reproducing, okay? It doesn't make a difference what frequency you're going to, you want to examine. If you're going to secularize it, that's a universal. That's happening all the way around the board. And some want to call this agape, which is a Latin term for unconditional divine love and the manifesting itself as just, you know, the the impulse to survive, to be here, you know, to endure whatever, and under whatever circumstances, all right? And then mentally, the, the, the second one would be follow. And follow relates to brotherly love or fraternal love or the love for your fellow man just because they are of the same species as you or that they are a vehicle of life or and of the creator and, and, and made in his image or a reflection thereof or a, or a microcosm, however you want to do it, you see? And then we get into emotional love, which is, which is generally had by everyone, and this is what people define as love the most. And it, it is, uh, how you say, the attachment that you have to your family members, you know, that the, that which causes pain if something bad happens to them, and anger if they are done uh, unjustly, you see? And uh, because it stirs the emotions, it moves. Now, notice, you know, notice it activates on a, positive and a turbulent on a harmonious and a turbulent because it is never not there. You understand? And and then there's physical love which is uh 
Oh, that was Amore, the third one. And and the, the fourth one is physical love, which is Eros, which goes everywhere from a handshake from some dat to to a kiss to actual coitus or, or sexual intercourse thing. You know? And this this is is everything in between and everywhere else that you experience it has its place in that category. It has to be absolutely genuine or it is not. This is not something, it's an absolute, you know? Am I being heard? Absolutely, bro. Absolutely. I opened up with a sermon earlier, you know, pretty much about the same thing, but you, as always, you're taking a little bit deeper and giving those those categories. Like I said, it has its variances and its degrees. You you have to contribute to the thought that brought that about, bro, because I'm not writing. I'm just, you know, recalling things that I, I, I've had an understanding of, things that I've read and what I heard tonight, and I'm putting that all up in me. Because, you know, one thing this this platform is going to do, to anyone who takes the time to listen, and I mean not just use their ears to hear what's being said, but listen with their hearts, right? We're going to force them to consider their present place, we're going to let them, we're going to make them think about where they've been. And we're going to force them without any effort whatsoever to consider what they're going to become or what they're going to do from the point on that they hear this. This is why the fan base is so strong, too. Conscious people, you know, they are, they want a change. They want to see a change. They want to change their present paradigm. They want to change. You know, the only thing that is truly constant is change. You know? So, at any rate, that's my spit, Lord. I don't want to take up all this time, you know, and uh, I'm talking in this electronic device. I'm not sure if y'all are there or not. If I'm being heard, if the phone dropped or whatever. <laughs> really? <laughs> The universe, everybody is here with you tonight, brother. It's only right on, you know, an episode such as this, which is our fourth cycle, our anniversary, that you do get a slot, you know what I mean, to present some of that phenomenal information that you have, brother. So, you know, everything is working out the way it should be. Indeed, indeed. I um, I want y'all to know that... uh, this is the month to, to be presenting the details and, and sifting through the garbage and straightening up house and getting life in order on a yes. universal. Yeah, on a universal. See, that's really a daily thing. But Virgo rises when this show starts for, like, the next month. You see? <laughs> Until about, uh, uh yeah, the, the fourth show. Uh, um, from today. I mean, actually, the fourth week part of it because y'all do two shows a week. I was thinking about that earlier too, playing with those numbers. You know, 104 episodes a year, 52 twice, so y'all both playing with a full deck. <laughs> you know. Well uh, so, any Lord, I um, I wanted to commend the art degree too because he never failed to spark my dome man you know and um that record that phenomenal record by the hand you know like overnight that's something to put your hands together for that lets me know I ain't the only one enjoying this 
You know, no doubt. Like, only one who feels this way. Because, you know, I grew up I grew up in a real small town in the beginning for the first 15 years of my life. Right? You know, my stepfather enlightened me to the knowledge itself. And and he talked about Marcus Garvey, Noble Jewelry, Father Divine, Daddy Grace, Elijah Muhammad, uh, you know, and a few others that, that, that didn't even get popular. <laughs> you know? And, um... I used to take that to school with me, and I used to get so scolded by my social studies teachers. And you know, mm-hmm. I'm serious because I'm in a you know I was a I was a, a speck of pepper on a pile of salt. And Indeed. yeah, so even my own comrades, you know, that people that were of of melanin descent, uh, that that possession of it, right? In great quantities. I was on the school bus one day. I said, man, you know, Jesus was black. Man, I got joned out, ribbed out. They never let me forget that, man, all the way to the age of 15. And to this day, if I get to, you know, if I ever saw one of them, I'd be on some old, I'll never let you forget. Remember you said, <laughs> and we were little kids then. Because there's a, uh, uh, once you uh, realize the truth of anything, Who's going to tell you different? You know, what you see with your own eyes is what you've been given to understand the world. So, you know, you can't really put a small priority on, the, you know, the, the consequences of putting your eyes on something because the eyes never tired of seeing it. Your eyes never tired of seeing it so bad even when you're in your rest and your eyelids are closed. They jittering back and forth, man, and they forcing you to see because you don't see nothing there that is unworldly. You know, everything you see there, you saw here. That's why we we dream. We just compose it different in our dream. <laughs> you know what you notice? Let me show you something. Yourself. When brothers say that, you know, they leaving their body when they dream. You ever looked at yourself in the mirror in a dream? <laughs> You look just like you look right here in this worldly. So I wonder <laughs> if, you know, we don't keep the same look all throughout our incarnations if we have a zillion, if we have a zillion. You see? Mm-hmm. So, I was also... Uh, huh? No, I, I believe that we have our guests on deck right now in the call queue. I- um, Brother Yazoo, press one so we could uh, open up your line and uh, commence to the second part of the show. Brother Cosmo, thank you for the wisdom. Um, let the family know where they could check you out on the uh, on the Blog Talk Network. Yeah, they can catch me on the Abundance Network and um, Cosmo Physics Radio every Sunday night from 8 p.m. to 11, sometimes longer, y'all. And... Um, you know, we're getting into some cosmophysics over there, understanding how our connection to the solar system is trackable and calculatable. Indeed. Indeed. I'm proud. Salute to all of the monumental work that you and the brothers and sisters over there are doing. Big ups to Abundance Child, who is um, definitely responsible for this program that uh, everybody is um, on tonight. She was instrumental in the beginning with allowing uh, me 
Brother Red Pill be a co-host and to share her platform uh, back in 2008, which actually helped me help propel me into this position right here. So I want to give a shout-out to Abundance Child. Thank you for continuing to open up the doors for, you know, the young lights that are out there that want to shine the beacons of light in our community. So um, salute to you, Mobite, for doing the, good, the great works. You know what I'm saying? Effortless. Indeed. Indeed. And, you yeah. know, and she be making the stars. Yes, yes, indeed. She also offered me, you know, a slot on her show as well. I got my start over there, so we all full circle. You know what I'm saying? Definitely it's all together. one family, man, really. We and, live in yeah, different houses. We, we live on the same block, just in different houses, man. We all live on the same side of the street, too, so don't bring no cops. <laughs> and as well, I have to uh, also give a shout-out to the sister, Nikki Love. She was very monumental and instrumental in the beginning of our blog talk careers and whatnot and helping out, you know, and just sharing platforms with us as well. So I want to give a shout-out to Mickey Love and um, her whole network over there. Indeed. Yeah, I, I spoke to Mickey a few times. You know, I like her, uh, even though everybody says she wild, man. Um, Donna Coleon. She go hard, but she, you know, she, she opens the door to those who have a relevant comment that don't make no difference, you know? Mm-hmm. No doubt. Shout out to all the sisters on the network doing their thing, keeping it consistent, you know what I'm saying, shining that light, stepping up for that voice <coughs> of the sisterhood, and, um, you know, just doing what they do because I know that it's not easy. So big ups to everybody out there doing what they do. All right, Brother Blue. Blue. All right, get a brother a moment so we can open up this line. Yeah, All right, Brother uh, Mr. Yazoo, if you are in the call queue, uh, press one, please, so we can see your hand go up, and we'll be able to open up your line at that point. Yes, indeed, brother. Please press one. I got a text from the brother. He said he's in the queue. I just don't see his hand up. Mm-hmm. Brother Yazoo, if you're in the queue, please press one. Hello. I'm in. I'm in the, I'm in the um, host queue. It's seven seven zero eight nine five one nine eight one. All right. I gotta go find you. All right. Click over. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. I just spoke to the brother on the other line. I'm gonna just find him in the um in the queue and open up his line because his hand is not up. 
Well, let me do this. Let me refresh my page. You know what I'm saying? To make sure that it's not wrong on my end. So give us one second, family. Yeah, I don't know what it is, man. So I don't don't see the brother's number and the call queue. Can't figure this one out, brother. Please press one on your phone. Yeah, I'm looking as well. I'm scouring through the numbers and I don't see a seven yeah, seven here. I don't even see it on the line. Yeah. But I I just spoke to the brother. I clicked over. No, we heard. Huh? I said we heard you. Oh, if y'all heard me, I'm going to just call him back. If that's the case, bring him in on the three-way. You might as well. Hey, hold on. Finally, see his hand up in the queue. Caller from seven seven zero. Peace, peace, peace. You can hear me. You must have some explosive information tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I had to um, hang up the phone and then dial back. And so, um, but it's 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 very very phenomenal, man. Because you know today is the prophet's birthday. It's your fourth. It's just it's your fourth anniversary, yes. and and right we got the um we got it going on tonight with uh and brother you get to Pimenta the Bay with Bay brother. Oh man, this it's like it's such an honor and See, a privilege. Things like this, family, is what we're honored by us being able <laughs> to extend. The opportunity for brothers such as yourself to be able to share platforms with brothers such as Jose, who I know you've been studying this brother's work. You know what I'm saying? We all look up to him as a giant in this community. So just pairing such as this, the situation, the opportunity such as these is what makes all of this worth it, you know? Yeah, man, and, and it's beautiful. And, you know, in the year, in the year 1886, January the 8th, the prophet was born. And what he came to do, and something that a lot of people had kind of looked over, 
you know, because when I was coming up, you know, one of the things when I went into the Moore Science Temple, you know, my father, my late father, Riles Bay, I got to give big ups to him, you know, for enlightening me. But I was like a a, um, a ruffian, you know, I was just into all kind of trouble and stuff. But the um, he put me in a temple, and uh, I went into the Holy Moore's Temple of Science. And when I went into the Holy Moore's Temple of Science, I did not expect to get the type of discipline and um, and, and learn to honor and obey my forefathers and my foremothers, you know. And um, that's one of the pla- that's his establishment, you know. Went from the old Canaanite temple and went into the more science temple. So, you know, and I had learned that what he did, he didn't come to just be the seal of the prophets. He came to break the seal. And that's why when you look at the Holy Quran, the circle seven, you see that there's there's four entrances in and there's four entrances out. The seal is broken. We are not, you know, we are not to be a people that feel as though we don't have that seat of the prophet within us because we do. It's right there. It's located right there in our hearts. But we have to have a heart to do that type of work that Pimiento Bay is doing in African-American studies. You know, he's teaching them that they are Moors. Now, what we had learned was that, you know, African and American is, that's who we are, you know, and but we never knew why. You know they call us African American. We 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 just knew that we just taken on that label. You know African American, Ethiopian, Negro colored, and black. You know, and the Prophet Nobu Ali he said to know thyself, know yourself. You know, and um and so he was an indigenous prophet born on a reservation. You know, a Cherokee reservation in North Carolina. You know, and he was indigenous to this land. And um, as you learn his story, a lot of times people like to take him out of the equation instead of putting him back into the fold, you know, which he came to do. He came to set the record so that we could be back into the fold, into the constitutional fold as being preamble moors, you know, um, and... You know, it's a beautiful time. It was my it was my degree yes, uh, yesterday. You know, and um, I always you know find similarities with the Prophet Noble Drali and uh, and myself, especially dealing with people. A lot of people that just don't know, they have not a clue. You know, I talk to people all the time, and they just say, you know, I oh, forget about it. You know, all this stuff, all this knowledge, and everything. What can this, what can knowledge do for me, you know? And if you if you just take the time and to study what the Prophet Noble Jirali had brought to us, then you'll be able to see who this brother was, why he had came. You know, he didn't come for us to be divided. He didn't come for us to be, you know, fighting amongst ourselves. 
He didn't come for us to be on this earth, you know, spreading hatred. He came, you know, to to enforce that first principle, you know, that number one principle, and that is the love, you know. Mm. And he, t- he had taken us on to the truth, the peace, the freedom, and the justice, you know. And we have to be standing on that five, you know, right there in the middle of that square so that we'll be able to represent ourselves to all of the nations of the earth, you know, because when we deal with all the other nations, we have to utilize that square, you know, to deal with all of the other nations and with our people. um, Okay. I have to ask you. It's (laughs) 11-11. About two minutes to 11-11, and I do want us to go into tonight's meditation. Again, tonight is a show memoriam to Prince Uriel Bey, as well as Prophet Noble Drew Ali. Uh, I want to, I'm glad to announce to the family that our brother, um, the elder that we spoke about on Friday, is doing a lot better, okay? He is doing a lot better. He's pulled out of his, um, his, his state of unconsciousness. This is, uh, the elder for Monday and Wednesday night's class, Brother Arnold, okay? So thank you for the light that was sent his way. He thanks you as well. Tonight, I do want us to prepare ourselves for the family that has any Sogo drops. I want you to get your drops and definitely, you know, take your drops during the meditation because the drops are known to induce the body into a euphoric state, okay? And they also... Uh, which used to tweak our pineal, okay, and give us that sight that we need. So prepare yourself, family. Find yourself seated straight, feet flat to the floor, back straight, palms on the edge of the knee, facing the ceiling, index fingers touching, thumbs touching, forming the pyramid, tip of the tongue touching the roof of the mouth, eyes closed, taking deep abdominal breaths, Exhaling out of the mouth, inhaling through the nose, exhaling out of the mouth. We will be meditating to the sounds of Om and Padmyom, which stand for the jewel and the lotus, the perfect balance between the masculine and the feminine principle, both hemispheres of the brain. Okay, and let's focus on love, right? That, that first principle. Let's take it there. That which you love most, focus on that and let it expand, not only throughout yourself, but send it through the universe to those that are in need. Not be selfish with your love. Okay, let it flow. Finally, we will see you on the other side. Money, 
uh, disease or, you know, whatever they got floating out there these days have to be protected. Uh, you know, it's a lot of stuff going down. So check us out over there. Of course, Ocean14Corp.com. We have the waters on sale over there as well. You know, definitely needs the waters on deck. All right? And for Red Pill, get them hoodies, okay? Because you need that outer layer of skin in the form of clothes. You need to bundle up. It's hoodie season. KingsCounty.BigCartel.com. All right? There's also a Facebook fan page that you need to get informed with. Go over there. Press the like button. Stay informed with that page. That page will keep you updated as to what's going on. For the family that utilizes iTunes as a platform, you can subscribe to the Know the Ledge podcast. Just go into your search in iTunes, type in Know the Ledge. I also believe that we're on a platform called Intune. That's an app with these uh, smartphones. You can utilize Intune to keep up with Nola Ledge. You can follow us on Twitter at KTL Radio. And we also have a fan page over on Facebook, Nola Ledge TV. Okay? So all of them venues as well as KTLmedia.com. And we are accepting anniversary contributions as well, family. Show your support. Show some love. Okay? Brother Yazoo. Yeah, please. <laughs> All right. Yeah, and, and we all, as a nation, need to be healed. We need all those elixirs that we can, you know, bring into our body to heal our bodies. And thank you, brothers, for bringing that. And um, I, I just wanted to affirm mention about the uh, prophet in this day, you know, um, that the prophet Noble Drew Ali said to know thyself and Allah, which is on the back of the Holy Quran, which is the most important thing that you can do in this life, is to know yourself. Because you cannot comprehend anything or anyone until you first know yourself. And um, when I joined the Holy Morse Science Temple in 1989, I met teacher Ronald Bay, who reverently said these teachings are the same teachings that Isa received as a young man. And Isa had supernature abilities. And, you know, he ate, what, fruits and berries and all that kind of stuff. And um, mm-hmm. like the Prophet Noble Drew Ali, he was vegan, you know. And so those elixirs that you give in people, you know, for a low cost, you know, to save their lives is something that we definitely need to be into. And even into the garments with the symbolism, we need to be into that right now because this is the age of the knowing. You know, and knowing thyself, you have to be a part of that know. Right. You know, and well, I witnessed, you and, know, Prophet came with elixirs. That's what he was doing. That was his form of, you know, uh, bringing his remedy to the people, first and foremost. That was his bridge mm-hmm. masses. He brought elixirs. He was talking about defeat and disease of the body. And then when he connected with the people, he spoke about, you know, ridden disease of the mind. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, that was his mission. So in the spirit right. of that, we definitely want to salute the prophet and, you know, we recognize. 
Yep, and I, I, I just was so fortunate to see a uh, video by Brother Cook Bay, who's actually seen him heal somebody, and that person came out with their eyes wide open. This person was bedridden. And so we know that it works. And so, you know, thank you for continuing that work, that light work. You know, um, you know, the Prophet Drew Ali, he also traveled through all of the mystery schools, you know, inheriting the keys to that universal reality of himself as being a prophet sent from the all, you know, which is the all, not and the all is not a man. You know, the all is that is that that haven, that energy that we know. You know, it's being all around us. All of us has that ability to actually tap into the all. And he came to bring us those lessons, you know. You know, and um and the all is that primary source from which all people, places and things receive their law. And Allah, the great all, governs all events. Like I, I was guided into these lessons to speak out who I, I was as a person, you know. And every day, you know, it's a remedy in those lessons for me. And you know, when I'm using the Circle Seven, because that's the that's a true uh, compass for me. And um, you know, he, you know, he there was there's a prayer that we say in the um, Holy Morse Temple of Science and. We say, by the guiding of his Father God, Allah, the great God of the universe, to redeem man from his, his, from his simple and fallen stage of humanity back to the highest plane of life with his Father God, Allah. Now, the Prophet Muhammad Ali said that the Moors were living up and down the Mississippi River before the, before the European man came here. Also, in the Quran, chapter 45, dealing with the divine origin of the Asiatic nation, part 6, he says that that the statement, in the statement, he says that the Colombians, the Nicaraguans, and the natives of San Salvador and Central America, ETC, all of these are Muslims, which he was referring to the Moors. And another thing is that Nobudur Ali, a.k.a. the prophet Nobudur Ali, who represented the Moors at the Pan-American Conference in Havana, Cuba in 1928. You know, the Moors were recognized as the visual holder of the titles of grants to the land, to this land. And, you know, and, and for all those Moors out there that want to research, you should actually look into the Spanish land grants. You know, and now this is something to think about. And the Prophet Nobudrali also said, I am going to stop the, the European from thinking and start you to thinking for your own good. So, yes, more. this is what I have been thinking about, and it has to do with the real order of the earth nature and the people of nature, the ancient Moors who had encompassed the, the globe around about. And there never was a time where man was not. So at the beginning of the earth, we were here. So those seven sealed or those veiled chakras that is within the body, you know, those those were the seven breasts that created this earth. Both the prophet and the messenger shows this commonality in their teaching. Um, you was talking earlier about the... Um, about it, about Django, and I have found something very interesting about Django about the county that they were in in Mississippi. 
Um, and did you see when that uh, notice, take notice that they was in Chickasaw County? Yes. <laughs> now, Chickasaw County, now, I look county, that's count. Now, the Chickasaw count, Mount Mandingos and Django, they were forced not to read. These people couldn't read, whatever, but he could read. Now, when you ever, when you look at the Chickasaw and you study the history about the Chickasaw, the Chickasaw was the twin, the, the, the founder of the Chickasaw Nation. He was a twin brother of Chata, which was the founder of the Choctaw Nation. And these right. were two brothers, okay? And so now we're starting to really dig a little bit deep into the Abeji energy, you know, which they say in Yoruba, which is dealing right. with the, um, it, it, it's very powerful when that Abeji energy comes together, you know. Um, when you when you really go into it deep, you'll find out that the first of the twins, in, in like in the Yoruba, you know, to be born is traditionally named the, like the uh, Taiwo or the Taiwo, you know, which means the first to take the world. Mm-hmm. And this is often shortened by Taiwo, like the Tao, okay, and the Taiyi or the Te. And the Kahende is the last to come and is the name of the last born twin. And these are what they could, you know, this is, like when you, when you study this and you start to see some similarities around all of the world's cultures, you know, and so the um, child after the twins is called the Adowo, the um, the Idowu, you know, regardless of the sex, a boy or a girl, you know, and so we got the arts degree on the line too, so you know, right. put some energy, you know, in the, in the proper perspective here. And is the uh, one that came after you, you know. And so here it is, you know, we got KTL, you know, we got the Twin Pillars. We have all this energy that is surrounding the radio, the blog talk. And there's a lot of information coming through this blog talk, a lot of illumination, you know, a lot of, things that can awaken to alert people's consciousness. And we have to get to the center of what this blog talk is actually doing, you know, with the meditation, with all this information, because I know when I listen to it, you know, it just like, you know, right through my mind, it just starts lightning bolts. And, you know, I start going back and traveling millions and millions of years. I done heard segments that, you know, I'm like, man, where is all this coming from? But it all has... <laughs> Hey, it's like a pathway, you know, for you to travel into yourself and to know who you are, to know the ledge, you know. And then what you'll find is that, um, you know, what I found, you know, I met the the um, the, the Idogbe pillar, which is the arch degree, four years ago, you know. And, um, and when I met him four years ago, you know, it was crazy because, you know, I have, you know, it, it, this journey has been going on. You know, we went to the mounds. We went to the Guidestones, you know, Brother Dice, you know, and so forth. We, you know, and so forth. And, and we've seen so many different things, phenomenal 
spiritual events taking place, you know, and um, I got to meet your moms, Annette, you know, your sister, Nikiba, you know, and the, and the Beiji energy between you and um, and your brother, Paul, you know, and, and both of you two working together is phenomenal, you know, and there's nothing negative to say about you brothers because you brothers are putting in a lot of that good work, you know, and you two both represent both sides of the spectrum, you know, and um, and and that's something that we need to see in order to be able to reflect the Tao, you know. And um, I also noticed that in my journey, you know, I was coming back from the mounds and everything, and I was really going in and um, – uh, the ghetto shaman, he had turned me on to something called the Popo View Vu a while back. Right. You know, and so wow. I, I was, um, it's a powerful piece of work, and I was studying about um, Shala Blanc and Hunapu in the Quiche, you know, which is the Heiru twins, the Hero twins. Yes. Now, that's very important information. Because, you know, if it wasn't for basketball, if it wasn't for baseball, and all of that Warcraft, you know, we wouldn't be able to, you know, sit there and watch anything on television or anything like that, all that excitement that people are getting into these days because first, all of the, you know, the sports, soccer, you know what I'm saying, baseball, you know, and be from these twins, you yes. know, which we see which we hear every week emanating over the radio and <laughs> blog talk radio. So we got the we got the we have all this energy. You know, and the the interesting thing about it that these hero twins are submerging from the underworld. So that's the Scorpio energy. You know, and so they're coming from you the figured underworld. Figured it all out, right? Right, this is the mother, you know what I'm saying? The mother, the separation, the father, you know, and everything. This, this is all right there. It's prophetical. What people need to understand, you know, understand, understand, is that this is very prophetical. And if we look into it, we could be able to tap into the Tao. You know, we can tap into the duality of the universe because what you know, duality. Most people think it's positive and negative, but really what it is is dealing with two things that the prophet had brought to teach us about. It's the higher self and the lower self. It's the, mm. it's the so above, so, so below. What is actually happening in the underworld? What are you bringing to us? What I'm, getting, what I'm hearing on the radio, I'm being informed of a lot of things that is happening in the streets. Because that's where it's all popping off first is in the streets. And you brothers are bringing it to us, you know, what is happening in the streets. And you also, astrologically, are bringing it to us from the heavens, you know. And so we've seen what's going on in heavens. You know, I've been going out and listening to the radio go outside. Look up, I'm seeing, you know, ships and all kind of things. I'm like, where is all this coming from, you know. And we know that... As you look into it, you know where the source is. The source is this divine connection of unity. And to see not just one person, 
two people, we see a family coming together, a strong bonding family, healing people, and doing what it is that you're doing, you know, the the manner that you're bringing, um, your path that you're on, that light path that you're on, is something that we, it's a demonstration that we all need to see because you travel throughout all of the circles. A lot of us get caught up into sectarianism. You know, I'm a part of this and I can't be a part of that and all this kind of stuff. And that just breeds hatred. That is not what the prophet Noble Drew Ali came to teach us because the territory, and I'm indigenous brother to this land, but the territory that the prophet Noble Drew Ali had told us about was planet Earth. The whole Earth is our territory. So we need to learn about Kemet. We need to learn about China. We need to learn about Peru. We need to learn about every aspect of this globe, all four corners of this earth, you know. And so, you know, when they talk about, you know, uh, Shibaba, there's a place that is in um, South America called Shibaba, and the lords of the underworld and the father and the uncle were defeated and sacrificed. This was something that had been done, you know what I'm saying? This is something that had been done and um, which affected everything. So those two sons were in, engendered, however, by the seed of the dead father, you know, and all this is symbolic. The pregnant mother fled to, from Shibaba, and the sons of the twins grew up to avenge their father. See, we see the same or very similar story in Heru, in Kemet. Right. And, and after many trials, finally they defeated the lords of the underworld in the ball game. You know, so this is something that is very, very important. You know, the same story you'll find in also in Shinto Japan and in um, Japanese mythology. You know, um, you know we have a, a great empire, worldly empire, and, um, you know, when we start to, you know, I, every day I try to get in my research. I try to look for things and, and travel new paths and, and to to look at things that I've never, ever seen before. And I, I listen to what the brothers are talking about on the radio show, and I write it down, and I look for keys. Because when you hear brothers speaking, you have your own, everybody out there in the listening audience has their own path. They have their own so, sojourn that is a part of the all. They have their own DNA. They have their own blueprint. They have their own red print. They have, you know, they have all of that, you know. So, But what they have to do, they have to listen to this powerful family, you know, to get, the, to get that healing, you know, from every perspective. And so... What I'll, what you'll find is that, you know, the American Negro has to be awakened. And I found um, in my, one of my lessons years ago about the lost continent called Mu that was sub- submerged underwater. And then I found that that was at one time connected to war. And see, that really had triggered something, you know, and that's going into Asia and in that direction. So you see 
Babylon, the Babylonian Samoa, and all of this kind of stuff. And, um, you know, um, when you start to really look in that direction, and then you look into Mu, and then you go into Hawaii, and then you go into the Americas, and then you then you start to see a lot of keys that is being dropped. You know, in in um in history, even though they reversed it, there's still what you see there um are patterns that are there that you can trace and you can find yourself. Because if you can't find yourself in information, you know, in this day in the know, then you just straight lost. You have to be able to see yourself in every walk of life that you're in. I don't care if you're a garbage man, you should be able to see something. You know, whatever you're doing out there, you should be able to see yourself and reflect, you know, because we definitely have the channelers here amongst us, you know, that is bringing it to you live, you know. And um, I was um, on Facebook the other day, and um, or yesterday on my on on my solar and I found that, you know, it was an overwhelming response to to the day that I came to this everybody was sending me, you know, messages and everything like that and I was like, Wow, you know, I, I'm humble but at the same time, you know, you know, I'm I'm at uh, I'm at I'm forty today. I'm you know, I'm officially forty right now. So I'm like <laughs> Yeah, so I'm like, you know, where am I exactly, you know, in this in in this whole universal spectrum of things, and I and I come to find out that in in all of this truth out here, you know, and I I looked at the Black Power movements, I looked at the Hebrew movements, the you know, and so forth, and I see a lot of the fighting amongst the Moors and everything like that. You know, and I found that the one thing is that once you travel through all of the mystery schools, you are the point of reference from which all of this comes from. And at one time, you know, we was all, we was one, you know, that pre-Adamic race. You know, we was one before that fall. And then these are millions and millions and millions of years ago you know, and then we went through this fall, and then we're going through this experience, and so many different types of ways to reflect how you see yourself. And there are things that, you know, went from the mystery schools that all of us went through, you know, and all these rites to passages we went through. And those rites to pass- passages, the boys call those rites to passages called birthrights, you know. In order for you to proclaim this land that you're on, you have to, you know, you have to know what your birthright is. You have to know that this land, America, for all those that are America, because like you are wide listening or the people listening all over around the world. If you're in France, that's your birthright. If you're in the Congo, that's your birthright. If you're in Kemet, that's in, that's your birthright. A missing piece is right here in America, where in one Part of history is said that we came here by slave ships. Now, I know for a fact that we didn't come here by this type of slave ship. That you think that, you know, that those that 
that um, buttermilk man said that we came by. We didn't come by that slave ship. The, the slave ship was about us giving up our birthrights. And the wars that happened, the mythological wars that happened, it was like these what you would call inquisitional wars that we was fighting for our birthrights or fighting for our lands. You know, we got, you know, we had moved from Mexico and we then traveled south into Georgia and Florida and people over here then went up north and everything like that, you know, but we didn't have any boundaries. The um, Cherokee Corporation, I like to call them Cherokee Corporation because really those Cherokees are, um, are really Chickasaws, you know, and um, that Cherokee Corporation, you know, which was actually set up by Franciscans and so forth, they um, set up something called the Kuala Boundary Lines, and that's where we get our states from, like Georgia, Florida, and so forth like that, because now we're looking at those old maps, and um, Sultan Antoine, he's posting the maps, and you know, I had been posting the maps, and, and my mate, she's been posting maps and stuff like that. And we looking at these old maps, we was like, wow. You yeah. know, looking at these old indigenous territories, and we're finding out, wow, you know, these maps have our images on these maps. <laughs> they do. I, and, I saw a few that you posted, mm-hmm. and um, I was blown away, especially when you showed the territories of Florida, it looked like Florida extended all the way into Louisiana, and it looked like almost stretched all the way over to Texas. Can you elaborate on that? Because I don't know if mm-hmm. this is right. close. Mm-hmm. All of this, all of this was, all this was, all of this was Florida that we, this whole land and territory. Now, Florida, or you know, that's like that, like they was talking about the flowers and so forth, like that. They seen it. But Florida is an actual is a actual um this this whole land right here that is in this this was what we call the Washita land. You know, and we you know, I'm off of the off the Chattahoochee. And so the Chattahoochee is um is Chata. Chata is Choctaw. And so when you say Choctaw, you're talking about people like the Black Warrior. And I don't know if anybody in your listening audience is out there in um, Tuscaloosa or Tuscogee, you know, which Tuscaloosa we know means Black Warrior. All of the Tusca and so forth like that, we know that this is this is the black ones, where they say black, where we know black by the crayon color black, but these were Moors, you know. And the Tusca and the Muska and so forth like that. Not only was these ter- that they occupy this territory from the southeast and all up through up the Missis up the Chata Chattahoochee and the Mississippian River and so forth like that, but we occupied even in the north. You know, and those tribes, the Iroquois, you know, which set up the preamble for the Constitution, which is called the Organic Constitution, you know, and we had a government that was over here where a lot of times people, when they think about what was going on here before the European came here, they don't think that there was no structure, they don't think that there was no organization or anything, but in fact, 
you know, that's what buttermilk is saying. But what we're finding is books. If you look at the Dresden Codex in Germany, that came from Mexico. But it was written, you know, by the Mayans. This, this, the, the, all of the codexes that they found, the scripts and the books, came from the library called Shalom Balam. And this library was so big, it, was, it matched the library of Alexandria in Kemet. They said they burned it down. But what happened to all of that, all of the literature, all of the all of the facts, all of the books, and all that kind of stuff, it was brought back to the Vatican. So a lot of the stuff that I'm seeing now is like you got WikiLeaks and things like that. A lot of this information is leaking out into and onto the web. That's why I'm sitting down there and I'm like, as, as it comes onto the web, I'm just snatching it off and like, bam, here. Take it, right. show it. This stuff shouldn't be, this information should not be sold at a cost. Information should be shared, you know, unless you're doing a lecture, and you're doing books and stuff like that. We have to compensate you for that. But information, we need to share information, and people need to be doing, you know, especially your listening audiences with 85% of the nation out there, that don't know anything, we need to be going into all of these communities, teaching them that we are Moors and this land, not just America, but the whole entire world is our territory. Planet Earth is our territory. Not just one piece of it. I'm talking about Alaska. I'm talking about Russia, you know, when we talk about the Celts, the Celts, or the, they call them the Celtics or the Celtics, those were Moors. These weren't those pale-skinned people that, you know, the, the Picts, the, you know, the Picts and so forth like that. The, these were original people. All you had to do was look at them, you know, go back and look at the pictures. I posted pictures about the Celts, you know. And then if you look at the names you'll find out that there's a common theme within the names, you know, which they call it um, syntonymous, syntonymous which you'll see that you, you see one name and it means, and then you see another name. They kind of look alike, but they come from the same group set. And, you know, if I say more, I can say Mary, I can say Moorish, I can say Morid, you know, Amaru, you know, and so forth, and they all come from the same group set, meaning the same thing. You know, what, what a pop- Yes. Give me one second. I want to open up Red's line. This call had dropped okay. on the phone line. Red, mm-hmm. with us. Yes, please continue. Okay. Peace. All of these names, and I, and I come, you know, I'm not bound by no, Ain't nobody going to stop me from saying what I got to say tonight. I ain't swearing no oath to nobody. I, you know, you know, excuse my my French, which was a language that we created. And look, excuse my French, but fuck that. And I'm telling you, I'm telling everybody that we created French. We created Latin. We created Arabic. We created all of that stuff. I was looking at um, at the um, Swahili word 
of Saudi, like Saudi Arabia, and the and the, and the Swahili word for Saudi means black person or person with the black with the black hue. Saudi, that's what it means in Swahili. So when you look at all of the information that is coming now, and you got all these groups saying, "Oh, I hate that group because that group did this," or "I hate that group because that dude." Tell your ancestors. You talking about your family, and most of the time, people don't even realize that they disrespecting their foremothers and their forefathers, and they don't even know it. And in all of the circle of the mystery schools, they teach you to honor and to obey your foremothers and your forefathers. And that's something that we have to do, you know. And they found ancient scripts, ancient, you know, you'll look into Barry Fell. Barry Fell was was an um, ethnologist, you know, and he was over in Nevada. And he was like, well, these people are speaking in an advanced form of Hebrew, you know, in Nevada. And they couldn't, they, they like, but how is it that these people over here is speaking this language and they're speaking that over in the East? And then they find, they're finding out that this Hebrew script is just like the Arabic script. But, you know, you have a Jew man that say that, this is Hebrew. You see, a Muslim say that this is Arabic, but in fact, both of those languages came from a mother language, which is Aramaic. You know, and then you'll find that, you know, Aramaic they say is Greek, you know, and so forth. But you'll find that Greek comes from Greece came from Gaes, and Gaes is comes from Abyssinia. Abyssinia, when you say Abyssinia, you're saying the abyss, like the abyss, like the waters, you know, back to like when we were talking about Yoruba a little bit earlier. You know, the whole religion of Yoruba is a water religion. It's dealing with the, the great flood, the deluge, you know, and um, you got the Abyssinians, which is dealing with the abyss. And all of the tribes over here, they have a flood story, and all of the tribes over there have a flood story. And they talk about traveling and sailing around the world, you know. And so when you look at the names, America and Amoraic, you know, and Amhartica and so forth like that, you'll find that all this means the same thing, you know, without sitting there trying to justify what some school is teaching you or something like that. Amhartica, America, Amoraica, Amaru, all of this represents this. It comes from the same synonymous, which is that same category, a group setting awards. It comes from more. That's where that comes from. And so when people are saying, well, the Moors came up in 700 A.D., that's a lie, you know. When you start to go back, oh, that's a Roman word, that's a lie. You know what I'm saying? Because when you start to look at who the Romans were and you look at the Benzantine, and I posted the pictures, I posted the first iconographs of of the Rus, which is the Northmen that came from the north and established and built Russia. And if you look at 
Moscow, all of it in Russia, is Moorish, Moorish architecture. Not only is there Moorish architecture in Russia, there's Moorish archi- architecture throughout the Americas that has yes. changed before the Europeans even came here. There's buildings and cities was here before the Europeans came here. But when we say that we built this country, we really built this country. And when they came here, they just moved right on in, just like in Spain, which we in Spain, or which Spain comes from Spain, which is Sheba, you know, and that's when you say Sheba, you're talking about the she people, Sheba, you know, it set up Spain, and that was the original, we were the original inhabitants of Spain. We didn't move into Spain. We were there in Spain the whole time. And the Europeans that was in, the, the what we call the Europeans today, which we categorize buttermilk as, as um as um as uh, European, he was a Slav, and that's where the name slave came from. Slave does not mean Negro, blacks, and coloreds from in Django. Slav means um, Slavic. It's a it's a point of ethnicity. It's a person that was indentured that came out of the caves. And that's where the Slavs came from. These were uncivilized people, barbaric, Neanderthal people that we actually had civilized, and we raised them up. If you don't believe me, read it from their transcripts that they kept sacred, like David McRitchie, Margaret Day Britain. When they told when, um, um, like, um, like my brother Amani, Amani Bay, who was building the phone one day and who was looking through the... Um, going back to the um, that book, and he was saying that the what he found most intriguing about what what um, David McRitchie said was that when a white man used to look, a pale man, looked up at our face, it was like <clears throat> the equivalent of a tear rolling down your cheek. And that's how they viewed us. These are people that have the information about us, that know who we are, that know that we are indigenous of, of, of England, we're indigenous of the Iberian Peninsula, we are indigenous of Saudi Arabia, we're indigenous of India, we're indigenous of China, we're indigenous, all you have to do is go to, in China, just go look at their caves, the Dungao Caves, and you'll see all of our iconography through those clay caves. Go through Thailand, and then you see our iconography, like in in um, Candy Sook, which is <laughs> they got the same Mayan pyramid in Candy Sook, like they do right there in Mexico. You know, and they dig it, and they find the pyramids every day. You know, all over the planet, which a lot of times it makes people uncomfortable because they had the same set of beliefs, and a lot of times they turn their heads towards that type of information. Because they want to say, well, all this information came from one place, where in fact the whole earth is our territory, the whole earth. And when we say territory, when we say terra, that's who we are. We extraterrestrial beings, you know, on this planet. So when we look for the aliens, 
All we had to do was go to the Quran mystery, Quranic mystery system to Surah to Al-Jinn, and you will find that in Surah to Al-Jinn, the real alien is these people that are living amongst us, smelling us each and every day, trying to copy our songs, our, our hip-hop songs, and, and so forth like that. Those are the real invaders of this earth. We are the ones to restore this earth by bringing back those principles of love, truth, peace, freedom, and justice, reinstalling the pillars, putting the pillars back, you know, the ones that they had knocked down, for them taking our heads and putting our heads on the, on the, on the, on the, um, on the plates. And we are walking around here like um, uh, Brother C. Freeman, the late C. Freeman L. said, we're walking around as bodies without no heads. We have no law. We don't spend time in nature, you know, and we don't have any type of natural perspective of how we should be able to view life, you know. And we have some, we have some, I was just looking at a 7,500-year-old picture of the Baja Pentata Cave mural in California where these were giants. These are 100-foot murals. Now, we didn't have no ladders. I'm not saying we didn't, we didn't have no ladders, but we didn't have that type of, you know, um, tools and things like that in that format to where we can just paint pictures like that, you know, on on the wall in that cave. And now they're finding all kind of, of um, instrumentation and things like that to say that these people here, were giants. There was a group of giants that traveled from the north and that painted that cave, painted images of themselves, which is brown and charcoal color, on the cave in California. And we got our people heavy out there, you know, that never go into that cave. And when they go into the cave, they look at it and they don't even see themselves. And so it's very important for us to continue to do that type of research and to share that type of information with each other and not be lost in the bickering and the fighting and things because this is this right now is it's on fire. We got everybody, you know, get the pills lectures, get the whole series from A to Z, learn it, get it down, recite it. Tell it to your brothers, your sisters, you know, your mothers, your fathers, your grandmothers. If they're in, in the homes, I'm pretty sure that that will get them out of their beds because of the fact that this has been long awaiting. All this information, every day I'm just like, you know, I'm jumping up and down that because a lot of the brothers and sisters was giving me information long years ago, but... I couldn't really relate to it because there was no proof. There was no actual visuals of what was going on. So now, you know, got access to the, the, the Hunab coup. We got access to the Internet, to the web. And so, right. you know, all of this stuff is being channeled through, and now people are seeing things that they've never, ever seen before. And I post pictures, I may get like three or four likes on it, and I'm like, man, I've never seen nothing like this in my whole entire life. And I had people tell me this years ago, you know, that Okatubi, who was a Choctaw, was a brother. 
you know. But I, you know, I was like, man, I don't know, man. You know, you know, it, it goes to one ear out the other, and I take note of it, and I tell people about it, and they say, well, okay, if Okotobi's a brother, then show me. Just don't tell me, show me. You just telling me that that was a brother, and but when they go look him up, he looked like a European. But I posted the picture. Now you go look at the picture, and he's standing on a horse. They trying to build a, uh, a train track through the land. He's standing on his horse pointing and saying, don't put no fucking train track over here in my land. Y'all need to get off my land and go back to wherever y'all came from. And that's that's our great-grandfather, Okatubi. And so it's very important that we get on, on to that that um, on that path of um, recovering our information. Absolutely. Uh, the brother said earlier in um, the arts degree, and it's, uh, he he was doing his research, you know, about the Natchez people, and I got a picture of a goddess, and she's actually on, you know, being carried by the Natchez people, and they all copper complexion, you know, which ironically, I think it's uh, Sister Yafa Bey had brought that, you know, with the Webster Dictionary and finding my brother had shared it with me, and then when did found out that Yafa Bey was actually teaching this a class on that, and um, which she showed that we are Americans. We are the Americans. Because the name American represents the copper-colored races that is here, you know, that's indigenous to this land. Now that that terminology is being used by um, the pale invaders that came over here, they call themselves Americans, but they are not. They are not American because they're not copper-colored like you and me, you know, and. Um, they are holding this queen up. She's wearing a crown. And um, and if you ever look at the, the name Natchez, it says the Natchez is the sun people, the sun tribe. And the same people that was up in Peru, up amongst the Nazca people, these Nazca people, which is the Nazca lines and everything, you know, that they see, that you can only see from an aerial view, those Nazca lines is... Um, was carved by these same people that syntonomy shows that these are that the names come they derive from the same place. But what happens is that we take the names and we were like, well, M O O R does not mean M O H R or M A U R, but actually, in fact, they all mean the same thing. Like the Nat the Natchez means the Sun people, the Amaru people, and the and the um. And the lords that ruled that earth up there in Peru were called sun people too, you know. And if you ever look at the mountains, I was just looking at a documentary of it. They said, how did the mountains get like that? Because the mountains at the top are severed. And they're finding the same, the whole mountain is severed. just like it's just clear cut like it was with a laser. And they're finding the same type of skulls up there that you will find in Kemet amongst the pharaohs, amongst Akhenaten and everybody, you know, and Cleopatra had the long, the long cranium. It is called, you know, right, crystal skull. 
Yeah, and the crystal skulls, they find in crystal skulls and, and they lease and so forth like that. They don't even know how it got there because they think that the people that was over here were stupid. But these people were actually, I mean, extraterrestrial beings. We could do things, Christ-like things, that nobody else could do. That's like when they talk about the the, um, the people, the nations that's over there in Mexico, they talk about the Tecas. You know, and they always talk about the Tekas, the Aztecas, the Olmecas, the Toltecas, all these Tekas. But they never actually had did the research and worked it out and found out that, you know, when you study the Bible Codex, because the Bible is a codex as well, the Bible, the Bible actually comes from a library of books, which that library of books is called the Biblioteca. The Biblioteca has the same, it's, it's the, 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 the manuscripts that they have in the Vatican that is now being leaked out. And all of the, you know, um, the codexes that they find in Optimus Germany and everything is actually the same accounts that you will find in the Bible. And you're finding out that, wow. You know, I'm like, man, is this Bible account? And I'm listening to my man Horace Butler because Horace Butler is dropping it. And I think that people, anybody out there that is a scholar, you know, that is is getting is being education is is getting a Prussian educational system. You know, education. They need to study this brother. Because the brother, he's actually worked it out, you know, and and um, and things that he's dropping, I got to come and, and and find the pictures to it as fast as possible so people can actually see it. Because seeing in in a lot of these situations, and information that's so far fetched is believing. So I've been looking at a lot of the, um, the manuscripts and seeing things they just released. They, the Vatican just leaked out, you know, because um, it was the actual butler of the Pope. He stole some, he's in jail now, but he stole some information from the Pope, and he leaked out the information. At least that's what it's saying. You know, I, you know, you can't, you can't really follow up on everything that is happening over there, you know, and, and say that this is true or false. You know, it might just be Pope. This Pope is so radical because he's putting up so much information about our people that a lot of us need to follow up on on everything that the Vatican is doing right now because he's actually showing that the Moors were the, were, were the ones who built the first church. The actual church and, and the whole Christian religion came from our people. We were the first Christians. You know, and so when you say Christian, you know, you, it, for for a lot of us that wake that that are waking up, the first thing we do is rebuke you because we learn in church. You even got a pastor you out here making all this money. He's beating people, and he's lying to us. He's pretending to be Jesus. Our women and everybody is sleeping with the pastor, or our. <laughs> Brothers, you know, and sons and everybody is getting molested by the pastors and all this kind of stuff, and they just really abusing this this energy 
you know, and um, you'll find that a lot of the information that they have now, they're, they're showing that this information comes from us. They can't hold it back no more. They said the, in the Willie Lynch letter, you know, which was in seven, that came, that the Willie Lynch letter was in, um, was 1712, and they said that the Willie Lynch plan could only go for 300 years. And here it is, we in 2012, I mean 2013. Yeah, it's up. You know, so all of your listeners out there that still feels threatened that, that we living in a time of Willie Lynch, we are no longer living in a time of Willie Lynch. Rise up, you mighty nation. It's time. In the words of um, Honorable Marcus Garvey. Absolutely, brother. Um, yeah, and I wanted to ask you about an observation I made about one of the pictures that you posted. Uh, give me one second. Got it in my notes here. Yes. Based upon your research. Oh. Hopefully huh? it was within the last. Hopefully it was within the last five thousand pictures because I got. I now have eleven thousand seven hundred pictures on my page now. Yes, and so. please, I want you to announce the page because the family's asking if you have a YouTube. They could go to. They're asking if these pictures are on websites, and from what I know, you know they could be viewed on your Facebook. So, uh, if you can, can you please share that with the family? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You can um go on um Yazoo Bay and you can just look me up and my um name is spelled Y A Z O O you know, like Yazoo, Mississippi and so forth. Um and Bay, B E Y. You know. Um and then what you've and then I'll just go ahead and tag you in and you just can go on and get whatever information you see is possible. You know, um, you know, and and it's on. You know, we can exchange information. You know, because um, I know that a lot of people in your listening audience they are on. I'm on Facebook, and I'm hearing people. You know, seeing people that are doing that type of work, researching and everything. And I'm like, where did you get all this information from? Well, I was on KTL radio, and I heard this, and it's le- it led me to find this. Be like, whoa, okay. <laughs> I was on KTL radio, and the brother was breaking down all these um, nutrients and so forth. I was like, man, you know, just you catching everything from history, from health, from wealth, all everything, covering the whole spectrum. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. The people, you know, and they take the information and they do their due diligence. They do their research. Um, this picture was from sometime in December. It wasn't too long ago. I wanted to know, based on your research, what similarities and connections have you been able to find between the uh, worship or more so reverence, should I say, of the turtle 
here in the Americas amongst the Olmec and uh, back on the continent with the Zulu and the Dogon. And oh, lips. okay. Right, right. And I, and I found with the Zulu, I was looking at the glyphs, and I, and I was like, wow. You know, and not finding that the um, – I'm finding a similarity with the Amaru people. You got this – you got a shaman. You got the shaman that is coming up. And, you know, David, David Ike is actually really studying the Zulu. And um, – you'll find that uh, some of the things that is happening right now, which is being unfolded, is that the same picture writings amongst the Zulu, amongst the, um, and this ain't David Ike. David Ike found the shaman deep down in, um, in South Africa and looked at the writing and was like, wow, he had to go and help this cat, you know, um, publish his book. And his writing was on on there. I'm like, wow, there's a turtle on there. There's a cross with a circle around it. And that same cross was used by the Olmec <clears throat> dealing with the um, Venetian religion, you know, the Venus crossing, you know, because that's actually where the cross comes from. The church uses the cross as well. And it's dealing with, again, the four, which is dealing with the what they call the four corners, you know, the Tihawats and Suyu and so forth like that, that the Amaru were a part of. You know, that I keep talking about the Amaru, and um, and I, I really uh, try to stress that because it's a, it's a lot of information right now that is coming out of Peru right now about the Amaru because it's a key, I'd say it's a, it's a key center. You know, we did, we just didn't have, one place of origin. The whole earth is our or is is origin, physical body. So when we talk about the the uh, continent splitting or separating, that is talking about the separation of the body. So a lot of times I, I may jump from this culture to that culture, to, you know, and so forth. But really, it, it was all one culture, and that whole culture was a representation of who we are today. We are the same ones. We are the ancient ones. And um, the similarity from that's coming from South Africa, you know, and they calling themselves, the Zulus calling themselves Amaru. The, in, Ken, in Kenya, you, you'll see that the, the cousins of, of the... Um, of uh, the the Watusis and the Pygmies and so forth like that was the um, was is calling themselves uh, Amaru. We got the Amar culture in um, Ethiopia. Back again to the languages again, which you're finding in all these cultures, they carry the same symbol. And Kemet, you know, and um, you, you know, I'm I'm a, a chief minister in the Washi Twa nation. You know, and we're finding, you know, every the, the turtle there too. Because when you say Wa in Kemet, that means one. And when you say Shita, which was the which was the calendar that they that they uh, observed in Kemet, which was the turtle calendar. And so, and it means one turtle. 
And so that's what um, people in my nation call me is one turtle because that's, I always talk about that this whole planet is one turtle. And um, and these are very important uh, legends. And, um, and there's a legend that is in um, Peru and uh, amongst the Amaru, and they said that the native Indians of that region had a legend that they spoke of was called the gateway to the lands of the gods. And in that legend, it was said that in times long past, the great heroes had gone to join their gods and pass through the gate for a glorious new life of immortality. And on a rare occasion, those men returned for a short, short term with their gods to inspect all of the lands in the kingdom through the gate. And another legend, it, it speaks about the Spanish conquistadors who arrived in Peru and looted the gold and precious stones from the Incas. You know, according to the legend it presented, that was presented in a book called The Secret of the Andes, this was written by a brother by the name of Philip, who, as channeled by the author, contacted, which was, uh, his name was uh, George Hunt Williamson. He wrote this book called Road in the Sky by uh, Mark Awasi. One Incan, one Incan print priest of the Temple of the Seven Rays named Amaru Moru. Now, you get Amaru, then you get Moru, you get Moro. You remember that the European, and if you go back into the Popol Vuh, the Popol Vuh has the creation story, and they, they show how, all, how, the, how we had created the European. <laughs> I mean, the pale man. It, it's a picture and everything, and it shows the different how it came out of the, the color, you know? And it's called, and it says that the, uh, the Temple of the Seven Rays was named Amaru Muru, who fled from his temple with the sacred golden disc known as the Key of the God of the Seven Rays. And he hid it in the mountains of Hayumarka, okay? He eventually came upon the doorway, which was being watched by the shaman priest, and he showed them the key of the gods, and a ritual was performed with the conclusion of a magical occurrence initiated by the golden disc, which opened the portal. And according to the legend of the blue light, he did emanate from a tunnel inside, and the priest Amaru Moru handed the golden disc to the shaman, and then passed through the portal, never to be seen again. And these archaeologists have observed a small hand-sized circular depression on the right-hand side of the small entranceway and have theorized that this is where a small disc could have been placed and held by the rock. Now, the information that we're getting now about everything that's happening on this, you know, and... At first, I said, I'm not going to look into, uh, I'm not into space. I'm not going to be looking into disk and none of that stuff. But everything that I'm studying shows that we have ex extraterrestrial, I'm not talking about, you know, alien stuff. I'm talking about being supernature beings. We have supernature capabilities. And we, and, um, and all of this, is genuflecting ourselves and who we are as a whole nation of people, whether you in in um, Zimbabwe, you Mandingos. I'm finding the Twa people was over here, you know. 
the Zapotec word for mound was Angola. Mm. You know, that's the Zapotec word for mound. These are another Teca people, you know, and um, was Angola. So when you look at it and then you look at the calendar of the Aztecs, you see Bess in the middle with his tongue hanging out. Right. So can that speak Just to the like fact that. in Louisiana near Poverty Point, they have the uh, Angola prison, and I'm not too sure because I haven't been down there in those particular territories, but I would mm-hmm. You know, when people talk about that area, they say it is heavily populated by mounds. Right. Right. Yeah, and you know, you got the you got the historic seventy five foot bird mound that is there, and you got all kind of mounds that is through throughout Louisiana, which um, now they're finding out that the um, Louisiana land purchase. Well, we we knew it. But if you read the Louisiana land purchase, you find out that that was also a fraud, you know, and it was it was something that was stolen from the people. And then you'll find that there was a connection with the islands, the surrounding islands, and with with Aiti. And Aiti was the those people in Aiti, which I'm really studying now. I'm learning that French and Latin and English and all this came from the Twelve people. And it all came from this old, old, old English called Patois, you know, and they call it Patois. And that's where the language, that's where the language that we're speaking right now came from. The pale man has no capabilities of creating no language for himself. And you'll find that the Haiti and Tucson, the overture, who was called the Black Liberator, but not just in the islands, but he liberated all of Latin America. And then you'll find that as you're reading in the um, purchase of the Louis, of Louisiana, you'll find out that Louisiana was the land. A lot of the land grants was actually held by the the IAT people, and that land belongs to us. You know, and um, this brings me to talking about the empress, you know, empress of the Washita Nation, Empress Verdiasi, Tierra, Washita, Goldston, Turner, Tunica, L, Washington. And then when you look at, at everything that she has found, all of the information, you'll find that she has, you know, um, when they raided the land out there, she had over... Uh, a tractor trailer load of information for our people. And the FBI went in there and took all that information. And regardless if they took the information or not, we can recover it, you know. And a lot of our people right now is under attack for even studying themselves or knowing who they are. But I'm, I'm telling you, we got a gateway right now. We got a uh, a so-called black president. We need to use him as a tool because that's what he is. He's a tool for that position that he's in for us to say that we can all preside over our own space and who we are as a people, and we need to take over our jurisdiction, you know, and we have the keys to be able to do it. We're able to unify. We're able to come together collectively, you know, 
and um and as long as we go out and promote your venue and tell people they need to be listening in, they need to get the information because these are dire times right now, you know, and if you are not in the know, it's like suicide because how can you walk through the age of Aquarius and not know not know who you are, not know where you're coming from, you know, not knowing who your ancestors were, you know, and it's very important. I absolutely agree, you know, and that's why we make it a point to bring forth researchers such as yourself to have pertinent information to share with the family, especially in regards to not only the glyphs, but, you know, the uh, particular motifs, you know, things that just might ring to people and, and, and just hit them a certain place with it. Like, I've seen that. Well, that makes sense because I might, you know, they start making the connections, and that's how the story gets told. Like, I'm sitting here, and I'm listening to you, and you're talking about the majority of information that was coming out of Peru via the Amaru, you know, and I'm thinking about last year with the resurgence of the Tupac Pack movement, and I know people might look at it, you know what I'm saying, like it has no connection, but as people are sending praise to an individual you know what I'm saying, who is the namesake of, you know, the last um, king of these particular people of that particular area, you know. Mm-hmm. I know that on on, on on a frequency, you feel what I'm saying? Like, that still has to play something into it. Like, even when you look at the brother's dome structure and you're talking about the skull structure of, mm-hmm. you know, the family from back Timid, where's the freeway? Where does it make a connection? You know what I'm saying? We are the connection mm-hmm. right down the middle. That brother, right down the middle. That brother has a connection. So he's the focal point that pulls both of those worlds together, and he is being, you know, constantly, his name is being mentioned, the energy is being felt, people are bumping his music, you know. That plays mm-hmm. for the energy, you know what I'm saying, to break the particular seal during this particular time. And it has its corresponding, you know, effects by way of us seeing a flooding of the information. Right. Like now, now I mean to break what you're saying. Like now, it's like a question. Like now, we're we're waking up. And so, you know, a lot of people, I have to ask them the question, you know, when it comes down to us being indigenous to this land, you know, did Moors occupy land? Did Moors occupy Spain for 800 years? The first thing they say, yes. But I'm like, you know, no, that's a mess. We didn't occupy Spain for 800 years. We are indigenous to Al Andalus. You know, we are indigenous to that land. You know, and um, you know, which that land was a part of the Moorish Empire. You know, and. This is the reason why the out, you know, the reason why they would like to, for us to learn that we were visitors there in Spain and we was expelled, that that is actually our land, you know. And then we have to also speak about the United States, you know. And the United States is not a republic, you know. We have to tell, we have to teach each other this, you know. The, the republics of the 
the Republic of the United States of America is a republic, you know? And this is the reason why you'll see a lot of brothers coming from the university trying to teach us, you know, and they really can't teach us because they bound by oath, you know, by the Opus Dei University. And we got to be very careful and teach our children so that they don't get into those traps, you know what I'm saying? Because when we talk about the United States, it's no longer in the United States. It was dissolved in 1933 and turned over to the international bankers. And we have to teach them that because we have to learn how to be able to navigate through these systems, you know what I'm saying, and know that a lot of the college systems right now is this, is this you know, is this, this all about, you know, they're teaching us that we need to pay taxes to these foreign criminals and everything like that, and we, in fact, we're up under attack, you know, and we have to be able to see the whole connection between ourselves as a nation of people in this land, and I'm talking about North, Central, and South America, along with the whole entire world. Hmm. Absolutely, brother. And, you know, not to fret people because all of the tools that you need are available at this particular time. You know, the only thing that's required is some self-effort. Definitely here. We are at the twelve thirty mark, brother. And um I definitely wanna honor your time, honor the audience time. I know that I have some things that I need to tend to as well. So, you know, on a parting note, if there's anything that you felt that you didn't get a chance to share that you might want to share, if there's some points that you wanna reiterate, or if you know I only my only point I want to reiterate, please, everybody, stay tuned to Know the Ledge Radio. There's going to be so many people this year in 2013 that's going to come over your airwaves and come to you live and direct, and it's going to illuminate every every spectrum of light. You know, and once you look into that spectrum of light, you're going to find you'll be able to reflect upon yourself and you'll be able to gain information that will be able to help you along the way. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it any better, you know what I'm saying, but that's definitely why I've got big brothers such as yourself. So do appreciate that. Um, just to be fair and partial, see some hands up in the call queue. I do want to take these calls. I don't want to leave the family hanging dry. Let me take these two calls real quick. Let me go to the 215-609 callers. I do ask that keep your questions to a minimum. Um, we're going to try to breeze through this as quick as possible. Call it from the 215-609. Peace. Peace, peace. What's going on, family? Peace, family. Peace. Peace to the pillar. This is Scribe from Philly, man. I just wanted to know if I could share a little piece with y'all in a little 30-second joint, if that's okay. Oh, yes, indeed. Peace to the Philly family. Okay. Y'all ready? Yes, sir. Here we go. I was born blind through my mind's might. Could only see 2020 when it's hindsight. My third eye in a purple haze. From birth to grave, born and bred to be a working slave. 
The more I bled, the more I unearthed the pain. The more I read, the more it didn't hurt the same. Watching the movie half speed, trying to search the frames. Flutter by information, trying to surf the waves. I'm at the plate swinging, hoping to bring it home. Running through the archives like Indiana Jones. I do this solo in a chariot. Prodigy, the progeny of Anubis and Harriet. I'm in the underground by myself. With the golden sword of Mikael tucked beside my belt. Slaying all lower forms. Blowing the angelic horns to let the gods know what's on. Standing on shaky ground, this close to the edge. Let's see if I know the ledge. Peace. Man. Oh, man. Man. <laughs> Peace to the gods. Man. Oh, Peace man. to the gods. <laughs> You no, know, we had we had a, a big sermon earlier. We were talking about love, love that piece. I love your Thank you, man. It, it's short. You put so much wind into it. That's that Philly rap, though. You know what I'm saying? And it always inspires me. When I'm like, we gotta we gotta have a more fire Friday comeback. You know what I'm saying? And not only that, like, continue writing, continue doing what you're doing. I, I definitely love your eye. For the details and the way that you mix it, the street the spirit, the biblical, all of that—that's where it's at right there. I really do appreciate that. I appreciate y'all, man. Y'all, y'all, y'all reignite the flame, man. I, I was gonna leave it alone for a minute. I was, I was in the streets for you know doing what I was doing, and I write and reflect that. But you know, I, I got on to y'all and <laughs> hey, hey, Rashid, you a legend, bro. Like. <laughs> He ignited, he reignited the flame, man, along with the guy hopping. And shout out to the boy Lord Lux, man. Those three pieces right there. Those three pieces ignited the flame for me again, man. So thanks to y'all, man. Absolutely. Give thanks. Give thanks. Peace. Peace. Okay. We're going to jump to caller from the 843. Caller from the 843-453-843 caller. Peace. Peace. Peace, peace. Peace, peace, peace. Greetings. How you doing, brother? All is well. Peace. Wonderful, wonderful. Yes, indeed. Do you have any concerns for the family? Hello, caller. Guess he put his phone on mute. Okay. Nonetheless, peace, family. Thank you for calling in. I guess we're going to have to do it on the back end. Uh, hopefully, you call a call back Friday and share whatever was on his mind. But to the family that's still on the line, we definitely, again, want to say thank you and salute you for joining us on this inaugural episode for our fourth season, this monumental episode featuring Jose Pimiente. This is someone from my early days of getting into the Morris consciousness, uh, early 2000, 2001, when I came across the brother's book. I've always wanted to hold some sort of audience with him. Definitely respected his scholarship. Um, 